Hey everybody and welcome to the very first inaugural episode of Gimme Back My Horror Movies. I'm Charlie, I'm going to be leading this uh, wagon train to hell I guess we'll call it and with me on my little phone screen like I do Dan is Nate. Say hello to the people Nate. What is up Charlie? I am stoked. This, this is going to be fun man. Um, Nate, it's funny for everyone to understand that nate is the exact same distance from me as dan is because nate also lives in columbus ohio just on the the southern part of the what we call the outer belt um i lived there for a while so this is how i know everybody up there um so this is still telecommunicating over the phone and recording these bad boys but this this is gonna be fun man i'm i'm excited we had nate on was it hellbound was we had hellbound Hellbound, uh what two episodes ago at this point for the give me back my action movies yeah by the time they hear this i'd say it'd be two episodes yeah uh this one should be dropping on a thursday so if you're listening on a thursday thanks for clicking on the very first day we drop Um, thank you for the future listen and for those of you that are subscribed to us and are going this isn't the action thing i clicked on that's okay the action shows are still happening this we're just doing both shows on the same feed so think of it as a two for one click when you click on our uh our subscribe thing on podbean or apple or spotify or wherever you're at um and we, and i'm still trying to learn how to drive this thing dan usually drives the other show but uh i think i'll do okay he's Nate a talking is, force he is the talking force he's the radio guy and i am the action fanatic and i have to pass the trophy to nate on the horror end of it because nate is going to be the the in-house horror fanatic which is going to be a little strange that i'll be the one you know being passenger but also like give me that steering wheel we're going to drive this horror to dark and deep and depths of hell and who knows what will come out on the other side yeah and i i've said i said it during the hellbound is there's not a lot of difference between horror and action movies you you throw a you throw a jason mask on some of these uh action guys like i just watched i had something on in the background so i put last blood the last rambo movie and that whole segment at the end in the cave the tunnels dude put a jason mask on him because it's friday the 13th that is a straight up horror movie on the last like 15 minutes of that movie. Yeah. So it's funny because like on my Facebook memories, maybe this was like a week ago, two weeks ago. Cause that's when this movie, when last blood came out, my uh, status update after leaving the theater was last blood was the best Friday, the 13th movie. Oh, hundred percent because <laughs> it was. And then uh-huh. like, it was maybe it was mother's day because I decided I was going to drink the entire day while Hannah was at work. And watch every single Rambo movie in order. And by the time Hannah had gotten home, I had just finished up Last Blood. And I was <laughs> about 12 or 14 beers deep. And I was like, you need to watch the last half hour of Last Blood. I'm not even going to show you anything else. And I'm like, Rambo rips a man's head off. And then like, there's just so much carnage. And like, Hannah sat there and watched the only bit of Rambo they have ever seen. And it's just this pure carnage and just him like tearing every little henchman apart in just graphic and horrible ways. Well, he rips the last guy's heart 
out of his chest. Yeah, and then he's like, it, has a nice seat. <laughs> yeah, then he sits down on a rocking chair and just looks out into the sunset. So it's not a far stretch to think that I, I, I am a horror fan. I've seen probably 90% of the movies that Nate has seen. It's funny because Nate, Nate is obviously the younger of, you're the youngest of the entire group of friends, aren't you? You're younger. Yeah, than I am. I'm the baby of the you're entire the group. Um, Dan's the old man, and that's my co-host on the other, and I get the baby on this show. Yeah, yeah, but, you get the oldest old man, and then you get the baby on this one. Yeah, so I'm sure I'll still be <laughs> suggesting movies to Nate where he goes, I've never heard of that, and I'll be like, oh, I forgot how old you are. That's it it right. could very well happen. It's funny, too, <laughs> because like when we started the uh, Give Me Back My Horror Movies um, Facebook page, you had posted like Chopping Mall was the one that really like got you in. And I was thinking on mine when I posted mine, mine was Tremors. But I was like, man, mine might even be like Scream. And it's like, that's kind of a generational thing, though, because even though Scream came out in what, 96, 97? Yeah, it was late 90s. You think about that. I was like eight or nine. What a perfect time to be, you know, scared of something like that. And, you know, as an adult, you realize Scream is way more humor in it but like as a kid that was terrifying not knowing who was behind that ghost face mask exactly and it's not that much different than when i talk about some of the action movies that i love because i was a little kid in the 80s like i was born in 80 and some of the greats came out in like 84 85 you know i'm not watching i didn't watch some of these movies till the 90s um but it was so awesome having that like catalog of movies to go that was awesome what else you got? And I could watch like all three Rambos or I could watch two Terminator movies, you know, and like with horror, once I got into it, Lord, I could go through at least five Jason movies by the time I was ready to start watching them. And then probably about five or six, you know, Nightmare on Elm Streets till I caught up to where the newer ones were coming out. You know, oh, the, no. The I mean, mid nineties and late nineties. Totally the same because like, where I grew up, like, Grant, you grew up in deep country. I just grew up in, like, shallow country. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I've never um, heard it called shallow country. I like that. Yeah. Um, my Nana had HBO, so she would record the movies off of HBO. So, like, I, I guarantee I have, like, a VHS mixtape somewhere. Yeah, hopefully, if she kept any, that may have, like, a Friday the 13th Part 3, a Child's Play 2, and then, like, a random Freddy movie. But I yeah. remember from our local video store, our local grocery store had like a little section after you first walked in and get past the registers, they would have the VHS titles to mm-hmm. rent. And I remember we rented Freddy's Dead when that one had came out. So yeah. that, oh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's very early 90s. Like, I can't even remember what year that came off the top of my head. That's when I remember being like right in the window of me watching these movies is when that came out. And also, I remember being a kid at that time because that was the whole, there was the whole video game sequence in Freddy's Dead. It had uh, yeah. Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold, and everyone my age was watching Roseanne. So that's one of those that I caught up to Freddy's Dead. And I, I had the same thing. My buddy Ben, we've talked about him before. We would rent every movie possible if it was horror or action. You know, it came down to whether we could even get it down here. Um, but this movie that we're getting ready to talk about is one of those movies I remember renting with Ben, and I watched it first on VHS, and 
everyone's seen the title, obviously. We are doing Near Dark. And there's a reason we picked this one first. Not just because it's the banner art on the Facebook group when I made it because I wanted something that looked cool. And then it dawns on me that <laughs> I start looking at it closer going, oh, man, I actually picked the Near Dark, like, this artwork. And it's all of the characters. And never even realized when we picked this movie to do. Nate's like, oh, yeah, I like the banner. And I'm like, shit, I did do that. It's the banner on the it group. It turns out we when we made the group, we inadvertently gave you the teaser for the first episode it, two it's months been ago. In your face. Didn't even know it's been, it. Been in your face the whole time. But the <laughs> other reason I wanted to pick it is this is on the same feed as the action feed. So I know a lot of action guys are probably going to listen to this. Hopefully you keep listening. But this is kind of a, a, a bridging movie for us because the majority of this cast was in Aliens. We have yeah. Lance Hendrickson, who was Bishop in Aliens. He's Jesse in uh, Near Dark. We have Bill Paxton, man. That man needs no introduction. He plays Severin in this. Um, he steals every scene of any movie he's in. God, I miss Bill he really does. so much. He really does. Uh, we also have Jeanette Goldstein, who was Vasquez with the, the minigun in Aliens. She's diamond back in this. Um, this is also directed by a future wife of James Cameron, um, Catherine Bigelow. Short-lived marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, there's I definitely history there. I don't know how people think marriages in Hollywood are supposed to work, man. I you, you, There's so few that have lasted like over 20 plus years. And you're just like, uh, why do you guys even bother? You know, at yeah, this point. Like, so many times it's like, that's like the third one. You're going for the turkey. Yeah. And there's even a small little Easter egg that James Cameron is in this movie. Yep. He has uh, a small little cameo. A piece yep. of him does. Uh, uh, one piece of him. He uh, gives Bill Paxton's character the bird when uh, <laughs> Bill Paxton's hitchhiking. And it's a nice, just a nice little thing. And it was also they uh, they they asked James, you know, this, this script came across Paxton's plate. And he loved it. And he actually sent it to Hendrickson. Hendrickson, man, this guy took this script into his soul. Yeah. After, like, and it's oh my funny God. because Bill Paxton's like, I love this. Like, we, I, I got to do this. And Lance is like, we just did Aliens. I don't want to do another B rated, like, well, it was movie. more like we just did Aliens with James Cameron. We are on the way up, is how yeah, I took it. And you're what wanting to take. Said three steps back almost is what it feels like. And then yeah. it was literally the next day after Lance had read it, he called Bill and was like, dude, we, we, we have to do this. Like this is a yeah. must. Yeah. And we're Nate. Uh, Nate has the Blu-ray. He has the documentary and uh, I hadn't watched this movie for probably 15 years. Um, the last time I watched it. So I watched it this week and then I found the documentary on YouTube. So I watched it. Thank God I watched it because as we'll talk about in a little bit, it kind of changes my opinion on this movie. I had an opinion going into this movie, picking it. I had an opinion after I watched it and now I have a new <laughs> opinion after the documentary, but let's, uh, let's do our, I guess our normal thing for the action. But the first time for the ho the horror is we're going to play the trailer for near dark and i will go ahead and tell you this trailer was meant to be seen it takes a few minutes or not a few minutes but it takes a little bit to really get going but we're just going to play it for you right now 
bring your head from your shoulders. Do it fast. All right. The time's wrong. <laughs> no. You might as well just kill me then, too. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We we'll give him a week to see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I want to kill. He makes you kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's three hours short for a bus ticket home. You help me out? What are you on? Believe me, I told you. Just don't think of it as killing. Amen. Amen. Don't think at all. Something that you do night after night. It's only ever a question of time. Nervous? I would be too if I were you. Near dark. Could be your boys falling in with control. Check out time. some time, son. God damn, this is my family. Let go. So, yeah, that was, uh, it's a visual trailer. I will tell you that right now. You can even tell with the trailer, like, you're in for a dark ride. And that kind of hurts the movie in a way, only because there was another really tiny, maybe small, independent vampire movie that Mm -hmm. came out the same year that beat this to theaters by, like, a month. month? Yeah, it was like a month that it beat it. What, yeah. what, what was that movie, Nate? I don't know if uh, I've ever heard yeah, of it. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Lost Boys. Lost um, Boys. Look, yeah, band, it has guys. a sexy sax man. Oh, now I do remember the sexy sax man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that beat this movie. And uh, if we want to get into the box office numbers real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you'll take the Dan <laughs> roll on the box. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the Dan roll on this. This had a budget of $5 million, And domestically... Throughout its entire run, it only made three point three million, and Ouch. opening weekend was six hundred thirty-five thousand seven hundred eighty-nine dollars. Opening Ouch. weekend, so it flopped big time. Where in comparison, this little indie Lost Boys made something like thirty-two million. <laughs> so one went down in history of being remembered, and the other one kind of gained a super cult following and being loved by all. But it's definitely yeah. not as popular as The Lost Boys. Like, I know when I had mentioned to a group of friends of what episode we were going to be doing first, I was like, oh, we're going to do Near Dark. Like, I'm, I'm really excited for it. It's one of my favorite vampire movies. And the reaction is, I don't know what that movie is. I was like, Sh- yeah. oh, crap. <laughs> but that's what I prefer. I, I've, I've learned over the course of what little bit of podcasting we've done is... The obscure is actually goes over really well with people. Yeah, because they'll be really like, "Fun." Yeah, they'll either be like, "I've never heard of that." Let me listen to this episode, or it'll be like, "I've never heard of that." Let me watch it, and then I want to hear what these guys have to say about it. So, 
we'll we'll tell you now if you haven't seen it a you're gonna have a little bit of trouble finding it um shutter had it for two months if that and and, the, and then they it, then they didn't have it anymore matter of fact the trailer i have was it had the shutter logo at the bottom oh but really yeah, for some reason they don't have the movie on there anymore. I had to go through a guy that knew a guy to get a copy to watch. Um, Nate has a Blu-ray, but what that last printing was two thousand nine, something like that. Yeah, and like it even it shows because like I remember when I first wanted to see this movie, I didn't see it till I was like in my early twenties. It was just mm. like, oh yeah, this is a vampire movie of Lance Hendrickson. I need to see it, and like I remember going to hunt it down, like couldn't find it i was like i remember like seeing used copies of this dvd like at used video stores you know back when dvds were super relevant and it's like what the hell so i actually had to like pirate a copy back then in order to watch this and i remember like the picture to it was terrible and it was like all right this must have been a rip from a vhs or one of those like the early dvd days when something was they just converted the vhs to a disc Like the first Matrix is a culprit of that, where it's like, oh, like the first Matrix didn't have good picture until it was like re-released on Blu-ray, I think. Yeah, till till they really started realizing that whole like THX process that Lucas started doing and get things better. Then, um, my significant other and I, when uh, we started dating, I had mentioned Near Dark to them, and they had never seen it. I was like, oh, you have to see this movie, but I can't find a copy of it anywhere. Like. Without spending like seventy dollars, so I was like, "I'm not doing that." Well, my first birthday of us being together, they bought me a copy of it, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" And like, we sat down, watched it like that night on my birthday, and I was like, "This is incredible!" Like, it's still like I still love this movie, but with it being the Blu-ray, um, the picture's a little off. Like, it just looks a little plastic. I don't know yeah. how else to describe it. Like, this movie, even from like being a cult status it still has not gotten a proper release um no and watching it last night the the version i have is the blu-ray rip and i'm like man they this is almost too clean um because i i watched it originally on a vhs i wish i could have done that again because i i these movies this was done in 87 yeah 87 they weren't filming these movies for high def. They weren't filming these movies for DVD. This was for theater and eventual VHS release. So things are lit a certain way. Things are left grainy to hide things that you're not supposed to see. And this is, a. I think I, I complained about this on dark man. When we did dark man was there's an alleyway scene in that movie that I'm like, you're not supposed to see all that, 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 that kills the mood. And there was a lot of this movie that I'm watching and I went, I appreciate that I can see certain aspects, but I'm like, you're also killing the mood of this movie that is called Near Dark was filmed almost entirely at night. There's only a few days that they filmed during the day. Um, uh, that also brings up, you know, that'll bring up another issue I have with this movie later. <laughs> but but like, um, Yeah, like. Even I like I just looked up a VHS copy of this is twenty five bucks. It's like this movie is well that's sought after. Bad. That's like, actually not bad. It's just, just one I of those, a... like unless you find it at Goodwill for the dollar because Goodwill doesn't realize what they what they've got on their hands. But 
even um, it's supposed to be getting a 4K re-release, and that was what was coinciding with that shutter. And then with that getting taken down, I don't know if this is in a like legal rights status, kind of like Friday the 13th right now. Yeah. Where the writer is saying one thing and the studio is saying another of who actually owns it. Maybe that's oh, the case. Oh, Mr. Cunningham is throwing a fit about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, also the other thing to remember is it didn't do well in theaters. Movie stores weren't buying 20 copies of Near Dark. They no. were buying 20 copies of Lost Boys, five copies of Near Dark. If that, and even yeah. then, how many actually got returned after someone was saying, oh, you need to see this movie, and then passed it around at, at school? That, that's possible, too. But, uh, you know, I remember when we rented this that, you know, uh, while our stores didn't couldn't afford to buy multiple, multiple copies, even of new releases that were popular, so if they got one or two of these they were lucky. And that's how I remember getting this. It was like maybe one copy in the store and we rented it on a weekend. And again, I remember watching this movie and going, wow, that was, that was awesome because what this movie is great at being is not what you're expecting for a vampire movie to the fact that they don't use that word in this movie at all. Nope, it's never said at all. I mean, it's definitely heavily implied of like it's it's this is what they are. They but they like, are vampires, but yeah, in the eighties, it was like vampires movies were going through a bit of a change between this Lost Boys, uh, Fright Night, even yeah. like they, they were trying doing to... a different take instead of a a gothic Dracula and just like dark cathedrals. Like mm-hmm. no, now we're bringing vampirism to the American world they, and like they were trying to being, modernize it yeah yeah lost boys being pop culture this being a western like i mean there are cowboy hats and like shootouts at the okay and I, at the okay old motel six i'll say right now i that's probably my favorite part of this movie is this almost western feel of those type of movies the almost like a lone gunman going on a quest and me and then you also have this whole storyline of a family just trying to survive in a world that's uh, they don't age so they're stuck in their respective uh, eras and they keep trying to have to adapt to the modernization of the world yeah um, and they've clearly been around for a while because there's a moment where they burn down an RV in this and yeah, Bill Paxton's right. character, uh, Severin, mentions to Jesse, Lance Hendrickson's character, he goes, hey, remember that time we started a fire in Chicago? And it's like, oh, man, they're yep. responsible for the Chicago fires from, you know, the 1800s. How cool is that? And they don't they don't really do a backstory proper in this movie. You get little tidbits like the Chicago fire thing. Um, Jesse kind of has most that he reveals of where he's from because Caleb asks him, Hey, how old are you? And he goes, well, I fought in a war for the South. We lost. So, you yeah. know, you know, he's Confederate. And I, I'm going to say, if you watch this movie, also watch the documentary on YouTube about this movie, because Lance has a backstory for his character. And my yeah, God, like, 
it's he phenomenal. Got fully in the character to where like um his character Jesse was in a battle on the Chesapeake River and he's then, in the like, Confederate Navy. He's like, yeah, I didn't want to be an army. I wanted to be a Navy man. I'm like, that's awesome. And then like his ship goes down and he washes up on shore and he said it was a vampire harpy. Yeah, he that found his body that was dying and uh, took pity on him and then brought new life into him and turned him into this newfound monster that he has become. Yeah, and it's like and that's all from Lance's mind. Catherine Bigelow didn't write that. <laughs> no, no, because uh, he's saying when he told Catherine, she's just like awestruck, like, wow, why? Basically, I bet she's like, why aren't you writing movies? Yeah, like, like that. you just like and- stick in character, which. You could tell when watching this movie, too, or it's like, I don't think you realize that you're not a vampire, Mr. Hendrickson. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're just an actor, but, like, he is so, like, in character during this entire movie mm-hmm. that, like, when you hear about the stories of what he was doing when they weren't shooting, Oh, he hysterical. stays in character. He stays yeah. in character the whole production. Off camera, on camera, uh, they said he spent tons of money on his own props to build his character. A, that's got to be a godsend for a production company that's already on a tight budget and your lead actor goes out and goes, hey, I bought these really stupid thick acrylic nails and had someone glue them to my finger and then I broke them off with pliers to give them like this lived in bony look. Yeah. And he, he grew out a ponytail covered it in uh, tar which is what Seaman did in the uh, Confederate army, you know, on sea, kind of keep your hair from drying out in the salt, I guess. But this guy went in, he is Jesse. And I know Lance Hendrickson is the reason I rented this movie as a kid, because we are already watching aliens. We're watching Pumpkinhead. Uh, He's in one of the Hellraisers. I forget which one it is. I think it's like, yeah, three. It might be the third one. I think it's the third one. The fourth one's in space, right? I think so. So I think it's number three that he's in, and I, I've loved everything this man's ever been in that I've seen. So we watched Near Dark for Lance Hendrickson. We got the gift of Bill Paxton, but we watched it for Lance. Oh, um, oh yeah, and I have a funny little story of uh the one time where I got to actually meet Lance Hendrickson at an after party. So this wasn't at like the actual con. This was everyone's already starting to drink, you know, getting the juices flowing and, and enjoying the Saturday night. And he's just sitting down at a booth with fans having drinks and having fun. And I have had a couple shots of uh whiskey at this point, And I'm freaking out like that. That's Lance Hendrickson. He's just there at the bar. Like I, I have to go sit, like say hi to him. Like I got to do something. And, dude, it turned into, like, the Chris Farley show from Saturday Night Live where he would have, like, the celebrity guests on it, like Arnold, and be like, remember that time in Terminator when you did this? Oh, that was awesome. I basically did that with him. You have a very drunk Nate just being like, oh, you were in Aliens. And I was like, you are in Near Dark. Oh, you were so awesome. And then, like, and he was just laughing. And um, and then I don't know I'm like, yeah. You did Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage, which was a movie that came out, you know, maybe a year later or something like that. He's like, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, Nicolas Cage is a brilliant man, and I got to stab him, and I got to stab him. And I'm just like, yeah, you did. You stabbed Nicolas Cage, and it was awesome. <laughs> and like, and then he says one of the most sweetest things that a random stranger could ever say to another random stranger, because he asked me my name, and I was like, oh, I'm Nate. Still, such a pleasure to meet you. And he goes, well, Nate, it's incredible that on this day and this time period in life that we managed to stumble across one another and cross paths or something along those lines of just like, we got to meet each other. How incredible is that? Yeah. Our paths have brought us to this one point. Yeah. Like how awesome is it that we get to live in this time period where we, we get to know each other. And I was just like, Oh boy. (laughs) Oh man. That's, and it was just like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I need to back away now. Like I am on the ultimate high. So he is like forever has my respect, even from all the movies and stuff. But I'm just like, what a kind gentleman, because like when you watch his movies, you get this rough, rugged, like, uh, you know, I guess stereotype from him. And like, he's the complete opposite of that. Like he's such a kind, gentle soul. And it's just like, ah, you're so lovely. Just, God bless the world for having a Lance Hendrickson in it. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, that, that's kind of cool because I do a lot of, I work a lot of conventions in the area. So I get to meet a lot of these guys and sometimes they're just tired. Sometimes they just got off a airplane, but these guys can turn that on for when fans come around. Um, I, I just met Vernon Wells uh, a few months ago from road road uh, road warrior commando dude just got off a plane he still had his luggage in there i know to hold back and give him a chance to settle but there was people like he was a little late so they were waiting he tucked his suitcase right under his table he got his pictures out he got a glass of water and the man was signing autographs and taking pictures within like 10 minutes of showing up at the con and I'm like that. That right there, that's a good guest to have at a show. Yeah, you that know, is you, what you want at your show. And, and I, don't I see is, all the little Nates running around though too. Yeah, you, know, oh. you don't want the person that's like me going, "We go in, no more talk, we kill." <laughs> because I know that's what I would do. And I'm like, damn it, I know he's just a normal person I need to talk to. Because like I've had those conversations yeah. with you know celebrities. Like when I met David Arquette, I had him sign. Um, a copy of C spot run. Cause I knew yeah. everyone was going to have scream. I knew everyone was going to have, um, eight legged freaks and all eight-legged that freaks. Yeah. yeah. Just like his horror stuff. And I was like, dude, I really liked this movie as a kid. And I was like, I thought it'd be funny just to have you sign this one as like a one off. And, um, we just started talking about, he's like, Oh yeah. Like I, this is like the first time someone's brought this up. Like this is an old one. I did not expect this. And I was like, well, yeah. And it was his birthday. I was like, happy birthday. Like I, Sorry that you're spending it here and at a con, but thank you for at least, you know, spending that time here. And he was really cool with it. Like if you ever get a chance to go to a convention, any listeners out there, like just do it. Like it's a little nerve wracking. It's a little overwhelming at first, but if you don't know what's going on or like how to interact with people like Adam, just, just ask like anyone. Cause we all want you to have like the best experience and to keep going and to keep these like growing. No, that's great stuff, man. I'll tell you what, man. Let's uh let's do real quick, let's take a commercial break. 
And when we get back, I want you to do uh, a kind of quick synopsis because you know this movie a little bit better than me. So when we come back, give you let's get a quick synopsis. We'll dig into some of our favorite parts and we'll just continue talking. Sounds so, good. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his times in the territories with PG-13 to his times in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major podcast formats. Welcome to the Monster Movie Stop Down where twice a month we review monster movies from all corners of the planet. Join me, Sludge. And I was, went to watch it the other night, and she's like, why are you watching this? You can quote this movie line for line. Like, that's very accurate. My co-host, Mark. Don't ask me to, to do a stomp down on this, because it's zero. <laughs> okay, dude. Ruben, what's your stomp down rate? And our brother from Texas, Ruben. It, it's just, I'm like, wait a minute, they tricked me into watching this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt like. As we give you the history, our review, and the stomp-down rating of some of the best and worst monster movies around. Available through the Podbean app, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Amazon. Make sure and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Just how drunk are we gonna get? Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Kreitz. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, Hear me. kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. back from our first inaugural commercial break for give me back my horror movies um we'll start getting some like music drops and some fun little things like we do on the action one uh but we do have some clips but let's uh let's have nate give us a a real quick synopsis and then i want to i want to see if i'm correct on my assumption about this uh, a movie that came out later uh, that was probably kind of based on this, at least an homage a little bit. So, Nate, why don't you give us a quick synopsis? All right. So, we have our main character, Caleb, and he falls in love with a girl. Love at first sight, almost. And it's our uh, character, May. And, like, he's having beers with his buddies, and they're like, oh, check that girl out. She, like, walks outside of a bar or something like that. And, like, he sees her and is like, oh, like, love to give you a ride home. Like, it's just that classic, like, boy meets girl in the 80s type storyline. And she, like, instantly lets him know, like, 
hey man like i'm an immortal but she doesn't tell him like she's like look up at the stars you see those stars when those fade out i'll still be around to see those and he's just like smitten by her not paying attention to that whatsoever um and it leads to like let me give you a ride home and then she starts to freak out saying like what time is it like i I need to know what time it is like how, how close are we to it being you know daylight and he's like well you're like you're scared that like your daddy's gonna be upset that you're not home yet and she's like we just gotta go we gotta go he's like all right all right we'll go so then from there he's he's driving her back and like they start to kiss and then she bites him on the neck and after she bites him on the neck she just dips out of the vehicle she just takes out the truck and runs and he's like that's weird okay a little strange don't know why that happened but no biggie he gets back in his truck after he realizes he can't catch up to her and starts to drive off and then as he's driving away like he's getting sick he's getting sicker and sicker and he starts to get to his house uh because he lives on a ranch out in oklahoma with his dad and his sister they then see him because he's now walking in the field i'm butchering this a little bit so bear with me but they see him like walking and it's daylight now. Like it's definitely at dawn and he's starting to smoke as he's walking across the field, like screaming for them. And like he is red in the face. Like there's so much smoke coming out of him. And then out in the corner, you see an RV just beeline it and cut him off and scoop him up right in front of his family. So his dad just sees like his son, like, Man, he's stumbling like he's falling down, and this RV just comes and hijacks him. And that's where we're introduced to the vampire family. And they're all cussing at May, like, you done messed up, like you screwed up our survival basically here. Like, you threw a wrench in our plan because now we gotta kill this guy. If not, he's gonna get us killed because he's a young vampire. He doesn't know how to eat. He doesn't know how to survive like we survive throughout the throughout this country. And it just turns into a road trip from hell where Bill Paxton's character Severin is just mean as all get out to uh, Caleb, um, threatening to rip his head off from his shoulders. Like Jesse wants nothing to do with him. They all let uh, May know that this is his problem, like or her problem. Like you're the one that created this beast. You're the one that's going to have to tame it. You're the one that's going to have to teach it how to feed. Um, from there, Caleb has a hard time dealing with like I don't he doesn't want to kill people. That's not what in his nature. He doesn't want to do that to survive. Um they're going from state to state. He's trying to get away from them, realizes that he can't, that he kind of depends on May because he's just he's not eating. She's feeding for him and then he's like drinking her blood in order to survive. He does eventually get to a point where he meets up with his family. His new family of vampires is not happy about the old family. They want them gone as well. It kind of turns into like a jealousy feud, like jealousy of them being alive and them being undead. And it turns into like kind of a a showdown of the sorts at the very end, I'd say, mm-hmm. between the family and Caleb. And that's that's kind of just a, a quick synopsis of it. Uh, because when you're dealing with a fun. movie with so much like road tripping. There's a lot of set pieces we got to get into, Charlie. There are. So what I'll uh, what I'm alluding to is when I'm I'm watching this last night with Jackie, um, 
A, I can already tell she's a little bored because this movie takes a little while to really get going. Um, it does. There's a lot of setup. I will say this, though. May is amazing in this. The actress, uh, Jenny, is that her name? Uh, Jenny um, Wright is the actress. Jenny Wright. This. She's almost angelic from the moment you see her. She's like porcelain skinned, she's, uh, short kind of pixie cut hair. And she talks in a way that, you know, she almost talks like a hippie a little bit at the beginning, you know, talking about the stars, taking, she talking does. about, yeah. When the but light like, gets to us in a billion years, I'll still be here to see it. You know, and you're like, we know, we already know she's a vampire, but you're like trying to listen to it as if you were Caleb, like, that's some crazy talk coming out of this yeah. chick. Yeah, that's some uh, real hippie talk, especially for me being in Oklahoma. But the way she like romanticizes the night so she beautifully. She really does. Like the way she says the night is deafening. She's like, do you hear it? Do you hear it? Like, listen. And yeah. he's just wanting to like, you know, kiss her and get closer to her. She's like, no, no, like, like appreciate this moment. Appreciate the night. Like every time that she is talking about the darkness, it is so beautiful. Like it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> well, uh, and I'll, I'll give it some, I'll give it some credit too, because, you know, talking about it sometimes gives you an epiphany. I'll, I'll equate her whole thing there at the beginning with Caleb of that kind of how in the older Dracula movies for universal stuff where he had that, like ability to enchant women to kind of almost put them under a spell. Give, you know, however you want to look at it. That's kind of what happens to Caleb. Yeah. She like, she, she mesmerizes this guy. You know, there's no, there's no logic to why he continues to pursue her. No, it's just, he's like smitten by her. And it's the same way. Like you said, like Dracula with Lucy, like Lucy, you know, and she's right. just like, I need to know more about this mysterious figure. And it's the same thing with him because she's kind of just a drifter because it's a small town. We both grew up in a small town. Oh, yeah. You literally know everyone. So if you see like an outsider, it's it's who is that? And it's just yeah. like, what are, what where, what's your story? Where where are you from? Like, yeah, what, what's I your deal? You know, yeah. And that's then that they, they do that fantastically. Um, and Caleb, I'll, I'll go ahead and mention this because I was, I was telling jackie i was like does that guy look familiar she goes he actually really does and i'm like well it's because he's flying man and she's like flying man what are you talking about i'm like i said look flying man she's still not getting it and i went heroes the show we watched (laughs) all the time he was the older brother that could fly but he wouldn't admit it he was always denying that these people with powers existed until you know here uh was it hero yeah hero goes Oh, it's Fragman, and he saw him fly. I was like, "That's Adrian Pazdar," and I was like, "From from now on, he will always be Flying Man to me." <laughs> <laughs> and he's but, done um, nothing but like TV work after this. It seems like. Uh, well, you know what? You find your thing. I, yeah. Uh, Jenny There's has done wrong with that. Jenny has done nothing after this movie, and she has not oh. kept up with anyone. Well, have, you uh, you found something. A little bit of creepiness. Uh, with it, I wouldn't call it creepy. Let's call it creativeness. Creative. Um, so I was watching a documentary on the Blu-ray that Charlie watched as well, and Adrian Pastor had mentioned to it because they're like, I'm like, man, Jenny's not being shown like at all in this documentary. No. Like, That's kind of strange. You, you notice those kind of things. 
So I started doing some research on her. And in the documentary, Adrian mentions like, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. And I hope you see this. And I hope you're doing well. And I miss you. I was like, that's really weird. Like, why did he say it that way? That gave me chills. Yeah, because he kind of got like choked up a bit and watery eyed. And this documentary, guys, is probably 10 to 15 years old at this point. Easily. Easily. Yeah. So then I was like, weird. So I looked her up and she did go off the grid like completely a couple years back and she's writing a book. I was like, that's awesome. Like she's living like totally off the grid. She has this little GoFundMe of where they need like a new truck to be able to transport their water because they have no power, no way of like getting water without transporting it back and forth. And she's got some updates. But the last update is from November 14th, 2016. And all these other updates she has are about her book, about her restarting the book, her birthday. But then there's just this random update here. And it's the last one. And it says, as I reflect on my experience up on the mountain, I realize I must do I must do more research on the dark art of the necromancy and shape-shifting. There is much that occurred that I don't understand yet. I do know that I laid myself bare to any sort of encroaching evil that might be near. It was a poor Mexican mountain community, and I believe the attacks were not solely human, as perhaps David was a victim as well. How eerie is that? That that you you messaged me that, uh, and I'm reading it, and I'm going, the heck is that? Like an excerpt from her book? Is that like something that happened to her? What is going on? And then I was like, it's 2016. That's the last update. And he's like, yep. I was like, dude, that's freaky. Uh, yeah, I I did as much digging as I could. I was like, I can't find anything else on her. Um. And when I was like reading through the other updates, I was like, oh, maybe we're going to talk about this necromancy and other stuff. Nope. So it's just like, I, I hope she's okay. I hope that, you know, everything is fine, especially if you're living off the grid and living with the land. That's awesome. Yeah. But what a bizarre, well, like, it's almost like uh, art meets reality. If, if you're listening to this, Jenny, and you, you catch our podcast, we'd love to have you on and, you know, see how you're doing. So we'll, yeah. we'll just go and throw an open invitation out to her. I would love to know how you how you've been doing it because I don't think I could do it. <laughs> no, I live in a rural place, but I still got internet and all that good stuff, and I don't have to worry about necromancy too often. Yeah, but... I don't have to worry about encroaching evil. That 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 <laughs> stuff is not cool. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I I like I like Adrian Pazdar. I loved her in this. I mean, they fit their roles well. I uh, before we start talking about our favorites, which is going to be Bill Paxton. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm watching this movie going, uh, there's a certain movie that probably watched Near Dark more than I ever have and decided to write their own movie. There's a lot of Twilight themes in this. And please don't burn me at the stake, guys. But uh, I've not watched the movies, but I've seen enough of people making fun of it and the covers to the point Nate even, he'll talk to you here in a minute about how I'm not probably crazy on what I'm thinking is, is whoever did Twilight watched Near Dark a lot because there's a lot of the same themes going on through it. Oh, but Nate, well, no th- doubt about it. Yeah. T- because, tell them why we think we're correct, though. Like, when you look on, I'll post it in the group too after this episode's aired. The 2009, like, Blu ray cover looks exactly like a Twilight cover. 
it looks so much like a Twilight cover. And when you yeah. think about the human fall in love with a vampire, just like Twilight. And I do wonder if Stephanie Meyer had like watched Near Dark a lot growing up and just kind of like romanticized her own fantasy of, well, what if I add a werewolf to this mixture as well? Right. But then this movie was supposed to get remade right before the first Twilight movie came out when Twilight was being shopped around and the remake got canned because they're like, no, nah, it's too similar to Twilight. So in a weird way, the movie that may have, we don't know, like inspired Twilight yeah. got canned remake because it was too close to Twilight. And it's yeah. just like kind of strange, very, very odd of uh, the coincidence. But- coincidence I, there. I, I felt better once nate was telling me that stuff because i was like man i know how people hate the twilight movies and there's there's their fans and they're a rabid bunch and you know what i'm not really dissing it i've not watched the movies i don't ever plan on watching the movies but i'm watching near dark last night going man i'm getting some heavy twilight vibes at least till our favorite stuff starts happening and yeah that is going to be the scene stealing, scene chewing maestro of movies, Mr. Bill Paxton. I love his character, Severin. When he his comes on. Is the definition of cool. Oh my God. He is slick, cool, doesn't care what anyone thinks about him, but just has this air of man, I could hang out with that guy. And I, I have loved Bill Paxton since day one. Since I probably, I mean, I've you, you, everyone saw him in the first Terminator. He's one of the punks that gets killed. Um, then, you know, we've seen him in Aliens. He's been, he was actually in Commando. He was the radar tech in Commando. Uh, a lot of the younger generation are like, oh yeah, the guy from Twister. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was yeah. great in Twister. Um uh, True Lies, he's the sleazy car salesman in True Lies. I love me some Bill Paxton. But See, man, this guy stole this movie. Oh yeah, and his like introduction into this movie is right after they kidnap Caleb, he looks him straight in the eyes and says, "Howdy. I'm going to separate your head from your shoulders. Hope you don't mind none." And just like his southern type accent and he's got that leather jacket on and like that wife beater that's underneath and yep. he's got like you said that slick back hair and he just looks awesome he, wear, he wears cowboy boots with spurs yeah he he's just he is cool and that uh nate was we were we get drops for these things and i didn't get that one but it's actually in the trailer i noticed when it played <laughs> he wears, howdy i'm gonna separate your head from your body um and uh, also, at the time we get introduced to Bill Paxton, we get introduced to the entire family, which, you know, Lance Hendrickson is Jesse and um, Jeanette Goldstein is Diamondback. And I forget the kid's name. The kid's name is Homer, and it's spelled Homer. H-O-M-E-R. Don't you forget about it. Because he tells uh, uh, Caleb that. About it. <laughs> and that kid creeps me the hell out, dude. Dude. Because he yeah. could be older than all of them. Well, they make it out where, from what I piece together, that Jesse is the oldest and that Bill Paxton is like the second one because they have a connection, like a brother. Kind yeah, of I definitely got like a brotherly love um, out of them, too. And then 
Diamondback is more of the the wife. Yeah, and she she modeled her character after the actresses of the 30s and 40s. The glamour, it's why her hair is almost white, but there's also um, like roots showing. She said, you know, when you're on the move, how do you stay looking glamorous? We use peroxide and you can't always fix it. So she had a character. She also had a character built in her mind. And she goes on to say that she feels like Homer is like a child of the 50s or 60s, kind of the way he presents himself. And he calls himself an old man in a kid's body. Yeah. Old, you know, when like he, an old man uh, trapped, I think is what he says. Yeah. Even. And Jeanette treats him like Diamondback treats him like a child in this movie. She's like a surrogate mother. It's her role. And you can tell there's a little bit of contention there because he try, even for a guy that's probably 50 years old, he's still acting bratty to her when she's trying to get his attention. You know, like when he's doing the television. And, yeah, I was about to yeah. say, like, there's a really, like, it's just so bizarre when you think about it's it. Like awkward when you know he's older than he's supposed to be. Yeah, and she's like, turn around when I'm talking to you. And he's like, yes, mother. Like, because he's still trying to, like, He's in a role. Play it up that he yeah. is, you know, like a, a child. And it's just the way that kid like presents himself, yeah. the way he talks, like it is just so creepy to me. The idea of like a kid eventually outgrowing his age and realizing a what he is and like how he can use that to manipulate the world around him. Well, uh, honestly, I'll tell you right now, when I watched it, I was immediately reminded that there is an episode of the Highlander TV show with Adrian Paul, there is a kid immortal. Oh, really? Roughly like the age of that kid. And, but he's been around for hundreds of years. Mm. And I was like, dude, that reminds me so much because it, they dig a little bit deeper in how this man has had to live his life as a child for hundreds of years. I'm like, imagine no, it's already hard I, enough at our age, like keeping up to what the kids are up to, you know. Yeah, like, and now you have. And to now be you're two hundred years old and have to learn every new generation's TikTok. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even have that app on my phone. That's how old I am and out of it, this. It'll steal your time. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I don't have an, I don't have much time left, man. So I can't waste it on that. I do podcasting. I yeah, we got we got to watch movies with our time. Um, <laughs> but, I'm not sure yeah. if you've ever seen it, Charlie. But have you ever seen Let the Right One In? Yes, the, yeah. the little kid vampire. Little kid vampire. So yeah. it's just like, even that I wonder if was inspired, because I know that was a book first, like from watching Near Dark, and maybe that Swedish writer is just like, hey, there's yeah. a story here to, to be told that I want to further look into of like, what happens when you're a kid vampire that, A, you, you need like your, uh, a person to hunt for you. Then yeah, you need your, you, you need, Someone to hunt for you if you're trying to stay hidden. Yeah, and, and like you need someone that can pay the bills because you need a place to live, and you're going to have to move from person to person eventually because yeah. they're going to get old and die, and you need to find that next next victim that you're not going to bite. You're going to let them grow old, but you're going to manipulate them to do your will. No different than even in the Highlander where he always had an assistant, you know, and they got older, and then he had to get, someone else to help him with all the day-to-day stuff so you're just going to have like a complete lack of sympathy for human life at that point because i mean 
you're all going to die no matter what, except for me. So immortality an to me. Immortality has to suck. I'm going to just yeah. say that. I, I would I, not like it one bit. That's not one of those. Hey, take this pill and you can be immortal. And I no, no, thank you. No, that's a curse. You know? Yeah. So don't need uh, that monkey Paul curse. Let's dig. Uh, let's dig a little bit more into Bill Paxton. So the the real one of my issues with the movie, and I don't hate this movie. I actually enjoyed it. Is it does take a while to really get going. And okay, so before the Bill Paxton thing, let's let's talk about. They kind of go through a how each one feeds, what each person's shtick is to get a victim. And so we first see Homer. He has a bicycle with him that they're toting around everywhere. And we cut to a scene where the bike's laying in the middle of the road. Homer's face down in the road. It looks like he got hit. You know, a kid hit. Anyone's going to stop. I would stop. Nate would stop. You know, so this guy gets out of his truck and runs right over to him. And boom, Homer bites and eats him. And so you're like, oh, that makes sense. And then you get Bill Paxton who has cleaned himself up really well, nice white button-up, you know, cowboy-style shirt, you know, the old uh, 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 tie. Yeah, the the bolo tie and all this stuff. Bolo tie, that's what it's called. Yeah, and he's hitchhiking, and these two girls, college age, I'm going to go ahead and say because they're driving and they're probably going to a party, he flags them down and he sweet-talks, basically, you know, in his smooth way, and they're like, go ahead, jump in. You don't see anything, but he's in the truck, and they drive off. I'm going to talk about the first thing that irritates me more than anything in this movie was Jesse and Diamondback driving in the next scene, and they pick up what looks like a hitchhiker. No problem. Look, They pass a car, so you're kind of assuming that the car broke down, this guy's walking. They stop, and he goes, hey, I, I need a ride. Wherever you're going, I don't care. And they're like, sure, jump in, you know, because they're thinking dinner time. He jumps in the back and this other dude comes running around the side and puts a gun to Jesse's head. So it's a setup for a carjacking. Um, and Diamondback and Jesse are just like, you know, OK, whatever. And even Jesse, what is it that Jesse says? Well, like they pull like a shotgun on Jesse's face and he doesn't like he doesn't blink or anything. He just calmly looks at him just like. You're not going to look so good with your face ripped off. Right. So here's my issue. They cut and we don't see anything. No. Like. Nothing. And that's, I wonder if it's the budget reasons, but like every single time that something was about to happen, it it gets cut. Yeah. I hated that. I really did. I was like, that was a total missed opportunity because you saw Homer bite the one guy. I was okay with Bill Paxton getting in the car with the girls because I'm sure he didn't kill them instantly. I'm yeah, sure like they went somewhere and had him he had and fun. Then, yeah. But like it's you don't want to show your whole cards all at once. No. And I respect that. It's you know, you don't want to show the the shark instantly pop out. You want that moment to happen. But you gave me a character that all of a sudden I don't care if they die. I actually want their comeuppance on screen. Because the guy's got a gun to Diamondback's face. He puts it down, you know, her shirt. Because, you know, they're they're all like, oh, we're going to have some fun. And Diamondback and Jesse are kind of grinning at each other. And you're just like, yes. Okay, let me. S-. 
no. Let me I don't, see. I don't. I don't, this I don't get to see anything. Vampire. Yeah. I saw nothing, and I was immediately like, "Okay, that pisses me off." And it's going I, back and forth between like Homer, Severin, Jesse, and Diamondback, and then even May and Caleb, because May and Caleb are with like the most chattiest truck driver, the ever, nicest dude on the just, planet. Like, teaches you how to drive a, a semi-truck for some yeah. weird reason. <laughs> Foreshadowing for some reason. <laughs> like, every little detail of even how to jackknife if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, that was um, odd. What was that? Like, Wayne's, was be... Wayne's World when they go for Mr. Big? Yeah. Wow, that limo driver had a lot of information. He was oddly specific. <laughs> Another Chris Farley. Yeah. <laughs> Even Hellbound, we mentioned Wayne's World, so that's just going to happen every episode. I love Wayne's World, man. That's all there is yeah. to it. But, like, that was supposed to be Caleb's first uh, kill, and he couldn't yeah. do it. And uh, May had to do it, and then Caleb had and- to bite onto May's wrist to, to just get enough blood to, now, to survive. I'm going to say this. Cinematography and the beauty of this movie is fantastic. Even that scene, they're next to oil pumpers that you know, those things you see out in the fields yeah. that are, pump- so she is pumping the lifeblood into Caleb. I just saw your face going, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. I'm also instantly going, well, whoever did blade watched near dark because that's exactly what they do in the blade movies. When blade needs a little bump, a little pick me up is he's always gotten a little bit of blood from either another vampire or the, the girl from the first one. Um, yeah, like in order for her to survive a little bit, it was just like, here, you, yeah. you're going to need a little bit of my blood. And he like, gives the the other girl in the second one, he gives her his blood yep. so Nisa can survive. So I'm already getting those vibes, but I was like, I, I was still kind of like just took back by, I get it. I get what you were saying there with the pumps. And I was like, that was a beautiful shot. I'm still yeah. pissed I didn't get to watch the hijackers die. <laughs> but it was beautiful and, and like it just in the blu-ray version it could look even better if it had a little bit more of that graininess to it yes I, you know, I, if it had I, a little bit more instead like we get this weird coat of paint for that nighttime shot i will die gorgeous, on this i will die on this hill that blu-ray needs to figure out how to not clean everything like, don't put a filter across the whole movie. Sometimes go back and go, okay, that was never meant to be that clean. Let's darken that back. Let's yeah. put a little bit of grit because you lose the emotion of the movie. That I, I, I get sucked out of it when something's way too clean. I um, still wish, and I guess maybe with just 80s and like, you know, 90s as well. But um, if you had like a 35 millimeter like filter. Yeah app that you could just turn on or off for those older movies yeah because like i know like with me growing up it wasn't till like maybe 10 years ago that like 35 millimeter movies weren't being showed in springfield anymore they had finally moved to digital so a lot of like even newer movies i have still seen on film which is awesome well and now i have to go to like a independent theater in downtown if i want to see anything actually on film that they'll do actual like special like showings of yeah, it's only been within like the fast past five years that they've even started filming with digit the higher end digital four K yeah. stuff. I mean, a lot of guys weren't ready to make that because you ha- you now have to relearn how to shoot a movie. Um, 
the documentary was great because it goes really in depth with the director of photography and he's the guy that did terminator he's the guy that did so many of these great movies and he did a lot and, of nighttime type yeah, movies he, he so that's why the shots it. are so great is because he knows how to capture with little light sources he, he was able to put light where he wanted not block light like if it was in the daytime yeah because everything's lit and i appreciate that and that's one reason why i can't dog this movie too awful bad was because it's it is a beautiful movie it is a larger budget independent movie, honestly, is what this ends up being. Um, but let's fast forward because we do a lot of the road movie stuff. Let's let's get to uh, let's get to the uh, dust till dawn turn in yes. this movie. Because is, yeah, go they ahead. need Caleb to feed, so and it yeah, it's like his probably, his like final test. Yeah, it turns into probably one of the most iconic shots of the entire movie. It's them on top of this hill, just their silhouettes, and you got like the moonlight oh, behind them. Yes, I and love it. It looks so killer, and uh, it overlooks a bar that they're going to descend upon, and have their fun, and yep. kind of show the Caleb the ropes of like, this is how you you know are going to feed. This is how you're just going to have no remorse for anyone around you. Yep, and in classic '80s and '90s style, they kick open the door, and this is a throwback to the Westerns when they would open up the, the, the saloon. double door, saloon doors and everyone in the bar stops. And the beginning of some of our favorite, this is, this is Bill Paxson heavy for these next few things we're going to talk about. So here is pretty much when they open the door. that's the first thing he says when he opens up (laughs) he just looks around and everyone's looking at him and he is he is happy as all get out um and he's in a buffet right now oh it's a buffet and did did you see on the documentary why he's acting the way he's acting in this film yeah because like he wasn't feeling good (laughs) he wasn't he he suffered from migraines every so often and he was experiencing the after effects still. So he asked the director, KK, whoever's the medic, can they give me something? Well, they, I guess, gave him a huge dose of B12 shot. And he goes, whoo, that lit me up good. And when you watch <laughs> this whole sequence in the bar, you're like, yeah, I can see that. He is on fire in this entire sequence. And, like, he doesn't miss a beat either because we all know, like, vampires can't eat or drink. And, like, if you notice, like, he instantly walks up to the first bar patron, grabs that man's beer. He doesn't even take a drink of it. He puts the drink onto his chin. Dude, I love that. home onto his chin. And then, like, he takes a shot. He orders shots for him. He takes a shot. But then he spits it all out onto the guy. Yeah. So he he drinks it and then spits it in this dude's face. And that... I don't know if I could be an actor having someone spit in my face, even no. though it's fake. And the this guy is familiar to a lot of us action guys. Mm-hmm. Is he's the same guy from Terminator Two and the bar scene when uh, Arnold asked for his clothes? And so, because <laughs> I'm I'm watching it, going, I know this that guy, guy. He can't catch a break, man. <laughs> no, he cannot. But uh, 
Yeah, he sticks his face in the, he dips his chin in the beer and gets the foam and go, I ever tell you a story about Buffalo Bill? Uh, he's just, he's <laughs> cracking jokes. So everyone's on edge, then he disarms them, then they go on edge again, and it's just this back and forth of comedy and terror, and I didn't get the clip for this one because it's very quiet and it takes a while to lead up, is the waitress is serving Jesse and the rest of the family. So she uh, instinctively, nobody ordered, she has a few glasses on her uh, tray and a, a few beers. And she goes to set everything out. And Jesse, Lance Hendrickson goes, the just the glass. And it totally catches her. Like, she goes, you don't want the beer? No, no. Just the glass. And so she's recollecting things. And he's, like, sweet-talking her. And kind of puts his arm around her. Telling her how soft, her, soft as a preacher's belly. I yeah, that was a really weird. I didn't understand that one. Not at all. I guess... They're soft as in, you know, they don't work out or they're not tough, I guess. Or maybe but, it's because they, they have no sin that they're, they're soft. I don't I know. I guess. And all the while he's doing this, uh, Diamondback uh, Jeanette has flipped out a razor blades like butterfly knife and slits the chick's throat, which Nate pointed out. And I agree. They do it, but you don't really see anything. It's like they they cut. There was a weird cut. It's a weird cut of when like the throat gets slit because you don't see it like actually open up. And then it's honestly yeah. kind of hard to tell. And I don't know if it's the way it's shot or once again a Blu-ray issue of Jesse putting that glass underneath her throat to to capture all the blood. I think it's just how it's shot because you're because you're watching Jesse and he's almost like in this state of euphoria when it happened. You know, he's like just oh, you know, yeah, sexual like, but not sexual. It was just kind of weird. It cuts to so many like bar, like all the other bar patrons, like face too, of like oh, ooh, like you well, just see was, their reactions too. That was the just, weird thing. They're watching it happen. Yeah, like no one like does anything. Like it's just so bizarre. They even watch like the bartender before she like gets her throat slit. Like give Homer a shot of tequila. Like, yeah, it's not even questioned, and it's just like, all right, no. this, yeah, this, this this kid's like twelve, and he's got tequila and beer and all this other stuff. And it, he ends up smoking later in the movie, which was still weird for me to see. Yeah, uh, I was like, <laughs> I can understand movies, and it makes sense in the character, but so we see all this. They kill the waitress, and then it's kind of like at that point, all hell starts breaking loose. Um, uh, Severin goes over to this guy at a jukebox and it's it's all Bill Paxton at this point. He is just like this guy like just trying to tell him like, hey man, get away from me. Don't don't mess with me. And Bill Paxton is just trying to play it off almost playfully. And the guy pulls a knife out and he just knocks it out of his hand. And then he the guy grabs Bill Paxton by the throat and starts like, you think choking him because Bill Paxton's like going, oh and then turns his head and starts laughing like it's not doing anything. He's like, <laughs> and uh, slams the dude back into the jukebox, pulls the neck back, gets ready to bite into his skin. And he's like, I hate it when they don't shave. And then we get, 
we get the most iconic, I think, line in this movie and straight Bill Paxton. And I did oh, yeah. grab I did grab this one. So he he finishes biting this dude's neck and then this. It's finger licking good. Hey, Jess, I got smell like a dead polecat. Oh my god! So like on point, and then like even he takes a burp after biting that guy. Like he just had Dr. Pepper. It was disgusting but i love that he did it you know what i mean yeah. it was you i wasn't expecting it because it'd been so long since i watched it but he he already is like grossed out because the guy hasn't shaved and he pulls his mouth back and goes Ugh. i was like oh oh god okay i see why <laughs> and i love that in the background you hear the cramps version of fever i just love being that. played it's like ah oh, what a great like have a horror punk band as like the background choice, especially for 1980s. Like this was filmed yeah. in 86. So that's, that's a deep cut to, uh, to do. That's what I can't be appreciated until like the past, like 10 years. <laughs> that's very Tarantino esque. Yeah. How the soundtrack lays into the mood of the, the scene. Yeah. You know, it's just not the mariachi band that does till dawn, you know, <laughs> jamming out on body parts. Tito and tarantula. Yeah. Tito and tarantula. But, um, and from this point on, it's like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. The, uh, bar, the barkeep, like he grabs a double barrel, shoots Caleb, shoots Caleb in the side. And Caleb's like kind of freaking out, like grasping for air, but he's fine because even though he's changed, I still feel like he's not fully changed. It felt like, you know, no, but because he hasn't ate yet, he hasn't feeded. And then, like, once again, Severin just, like, walks up onto the bar, and the way he, like, holds onto the, like, there's, like, uh, rafters or the the, the drinks that are going, you know, like, there's wood structure above him. So he he hangs on to that, and then just kick spurs this dude's throat, the bartender. Multiple times. Yeah. You just see his face open up, and, like, the blood pour out. And he's just like laughing as he's doing it, just having a good old time as his legs just going back and forth across this guy's face. Bloody marvelous, bloody marvelous. It was bloody marvelous, bloody, <laughs> bloody marvelous. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, but seeing that, seeing you know, when when he gets done drinking the one dude's blood, he is like covered in blood. It, 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 you saw clean Bill Paxton for a while, but. For kind of the rest of the movie, you get this dirty, bloody Bill Paxton, and it's almost like he transforms without like going teeth and vampire. You know that that's like now it's the change. Now it's the bloodlust. Yeah, like he just cannot stop feeding at this point. And at this, like, yeah, there's only one bar uh, keep left. And well, they like, have Caleb. Uh, this is your chance. Like this is your guy, and yeah, he still they, can't do it. And May and, goes over there. And, like, almost seduces the guy. Like, kind of just like, hey, hey, like, you know, pay attention to me and calm down. And that's like a, when it hit me that May's, like, role with the family is her looks. It's her way the, to seduce and kind of bring, like, 
calmness to the air um, because she's uh, dancing with that patron while everyone is dead. They're like call they call it like a succubus or something like that. Yeah, this, yeah, this definitely heavily and, uh, succubus vibes. Yeah, and there's music playing. And again, uh, this movie I think is important for other movies later because this scene reminds me of the scene in Natural Born Killers where uh crap what i can't think of her real name um i want to say juliet lewis juliet lewis i want to make sure i was saying that and not the girl from <laughs> seinfeld i don't know why i always get there oh Dreyfus. yeah yeah <laughs> juliet lewis dreyfus juliet lewis um she dances in the diner and then the other guys are trying to dance with her and she's the distraction for when yeah. her you know Woody Harrelson's character and I feel like that's that was taken a little bit of influence from this movie where she just she's like the guy's trying to figure out I need to be can I calm down but I just witnessed the most horrific things I could ever witness yeah and like but, I'm next like, yeah there's but, no doubt about it I'm next but pretty girl touching me and dancing. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, that dude has to have the weirdest boner right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the please don't murder me boner. We yeah. have been there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and uh, he jumps out of a window spectacularly. I love that. Oh, it was like, a good window uh, jump the, through. <laughs> The second he gets a moment, he is out this window and running, beat feet, and Caleb has to chase him down. He catches him, but he the guy's like begging, and uh, Caleb lets him go. He just lets um, him go. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jesse and Severin are just uh, throwing Molotov cocktails all over the bar. They're you know throwing more liquor down, just lighting it on fire yep. to the point where I was like, I think Bill Paxton actually burned that bar down, and it wasn't in the script. <laughs> I I would have to imagine he feel like they were just like I guess we'll just keep rolling that wasn't in it but all right <laughs> I think he's still buzzing from that B twelve shot and he's just trying to get every bit of energy out um, yeah and then we get a little bit more road movie they tr they steal another car because uh, the guy got away so he knows what they're driving and they go and stay at a bungalow yeah and we we get this almost like the last stand at the Elamo kind of feel for this. They, uh, they're, they're mad at Caleb still yet. He's still allowed to stay there. I still can't quite wrap my well, head. It felt like that was going to be his last like day with him. And then they were just going to ditch him. I think like we just need to lie low and get some rest. And then you're out, mister. Like, that's it. Why, why not just talking about wanting to kill him? So it's like, why don't you just rip his head off? Like you said, you were, well, that or leave him outside in the sun that's a pretty easy one just yeah. lock the doors but they keep bringing him on and everybody kind of seems pretty chill as uh, so, okay no that's the next one so this one is they're they're all just kind of strewn out <coughs> sorry in this uh room hotel room and the cops find them because obviously someone just witnessed them kill a bunch of people and there was really only one other vehicle they could have driven off in. Yeah, so this, and it's this like, guy knew. The, the dude knew. It was like, hey, that's that's the guys. That's where they're staying at. That's the ones that killed all my buddies last night. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, I had to give me something to drink. My throat's drying out here. But um, 
So the cops show up, beating on the door. It's daytime because they're trying to crash out. And they got them surrounded, which was two cop cars and four cops. Yeah. And, and one cop has an M16. Everyone else has, like, rifles and guns and all this. Well, they get everyone woke up. Uh, Bill Paxson's character is going around getting everybody riled. Uh, they get their guns out. They're trying to figure out how to get get out. And Bill Paxton and Jesse just decide, you know, our only option now is to shoot our way out. And the next Bill Paxton scene stealing line, I think, in the movie, <laughs> two of them actually, but this yeah. one, he he posts himself up at the the very front door and has a shotgun ready. And then we get this. Check out time. He blows a giant hole through the front door, blows the cop that's standing there through his chest out his back. I mean, for finally getting a little bit of gore in this movie, that cop's death was... (laughs) I love... Every, yes, I'm finding reasons to keep... If anyone's asking, that's Uncle Benny from Lethal Weapon 4 during the uh, Novocaine scene where he's on the laughing gas. Um, but you get Bill Paxton, and when he does that, light shines through and knocks him backwards. So it's yeah, like he it was, shot the cop, and then he got hit. He catches on fire on like his uh, torso area, and like now... like. They already knew it was daylight, but they're like trying to stay behind the curtains while getting into this firefight as more and yeah. more sun rays are just like beaming yeah, they've got through. Like like blacked out goggles, like welding goggles on. And it's like they're not dodging the bullets, they're dodging the holes that allow sunlight in. That's what they're more scared of because you know the bullets don't really do anything to them. So you're looking at this like this is the weirdest shootout I've ever seen in a movie. And they're just shooting. Yeah, like they're not really even caring what they're shooting at. It's almost like they're just having fun with it. Like, it's just another adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, and ride. even Caleb starts shooting because they, uh, they give him a gun. And uh, Severin's almost like, yeah, no. And Jesse's like, just give him the gun. You know what? It's He either dies or he fights. Um so there's this giant shootout, and then Caleb decides, hey, I'm going to make a run out the back and go get the van. And, and you know, the, you know, Severin's like, that, you're nuts. You won't make it. You know, you're going to burn up. So he grabs this blanket and takes off running, and cops see him, and they're shooting him down multiple shots. Oh, yeah, you got, like, uh, the they shoot him in the leg and like just the blood flies from there. Yeah. Like he's just getting shot all over and it's he like starts catching fire. Will. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, now he catches on fire from the sun. The blankets so, on fire. Yeah. When everything's happens, on fire. The, the cops are like, they are almost like they stop from it. Like, Whoa, like that's not normal. Who, who right? brought the incinerary rounds? Yeah. Come on, Bill. You're not supposed to bring the incinerary rounds to it, a regular old shootout. It's definitely not what they're expecting. And then uh, Caleb's able to get in the van, get himself out, being on fire, and rams the van through the hotel room to load everybody up. I, I did like that part. Yeah, like that's just like a brilliant way to like get your team out of there. Yeah, like, you can't pull up to the front door. The cops are there. So he literally yeah. blows through there. And then when everyone loads in, 
goes out the other wall. He didn't back up. He no, went he through the other wall and through the cop cars and gets away. So with his A team van. Yeah, it was a Ford though, so it wasn't a GMC. <laughs> but it wasn't all black. It was a nice looking van. It I'm was. a van guy. I'm a van guy. But uh I, I from the bar scene on, this movie picks up and I love this movie from there. Because these action scenes are fantastic. Oh, and I do have one more. This is uh they're in the shootout. Uh how they just can continue talking and cracking jokes. So yep. this is Right in the heart of the shootout, we have Jesse and Severin. How you doing, Jess? Like shit. How you doing? I'm down to my last inch of skin. I'm down to my last inch of skin. <laughs> oh my god. He's been caught on fire. He's getting shot at. But like with these action sequences, and because this is Catherine Bigelow's technically the first movie she's directed by herself, she didn't Another she co, she co-directed, before, yeah. but she co-directed it. But this leads up to her later career of doing Point Break, yeah, which is an all-time action classic. I love Point Break. Yeah, like, yeah. and you're getting we Patrick need to do Swayze that on and Keanu. Too. Yeah, that that's gonna be one that's going to get covered eventually. It will. It will. Yeah, but then it leads to later on in her career. She did K nineteen, The Widowmaker, with uh Harrison Ford. Yep. That's the submarine movie. Um, but the Hurt Locker, like, I've only seen the Hurt Locker once because I don't think I can watch it again because it's so intense. That's like, a brutal movie. It, it is. is not a fun movie to watch. It like I remember like sweating so much when that came yeah. out. And she won Best Picture that year. And like it's kind of cool to see that a little low budget horror movie filmmaker goes on to make an award-winning movie later right. on in their career. Like just that's oh, where that, so many people can lead to. My issues with this movie have nothing to do with Catherine or anything like that. I think it's a culmination of budget and time. And just when I watched the, the documentary, I really changed my opinion after listening to everyone and what they intended this movie to be. So, We'll talk about that more when we rate it, but I I take nothing away from Catherine Bigelow on this movie. Oh, I, no, not whatsoever. I wish she'd make more movies, if anything. I, you know, it sounded like she really did want to get back into this universe, but it just didn't pan out for her. Yeah. Thanks, Twilight. One more thing for us to mock you yeah. about and hate you for. Um, so with a, they get away. We uh, get They get out to a random hotel. And they get a room to stay in. Uh, everybody's like congratulating Caleb. Like, hey, man, you did great. You, like saved you might the be a part of the family after all. Like, you, you might make it, kid. Yeah, you saved the whole family. You sacrificed yourself if need be. Bill Paxton gives him a spur off his boot. So, you know, yeah. that is an ultimate, like, you're okay in my book, man. Now you just need to kill someone and eat. But. Yeah, that I think Jesse even goes. You've bought yourself some more time. Uh, yeah, he, he, like, he, he calls does. him son, you know. And I think that was important that he calls him son before the next thing happens here in the hotel, because you're really starting to get this like family unit kind of thing built. Um, so Caleb and May go outside. She does her whole moon gazing thing again, 
She loves talking about the moon and stars and the dark and all this. And uh, Homer, you know, just, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get something to drink. And Jeanette, in the exact same way she's been this whole movie, she's like, okay, but be careful while you're outside. You know, be wary of... Motherly figure. Yeah, so you're still like, okay. They're trying to keep you in this realm that he's a kid, but then you're shocked every time you have to remember he's an adult. Well, he goes to get a pop, and there's a little girl getting a Coke. And God, I can't, I can tell you, I remember the pop machines that had the giant main pop button. If it's a Coke machine, <laughs> the Coke is like six inches by 10 inches big oh, yeah. of a like, button. Those things were huge. You could high five that button yep. and get I a Coke. I think that was the best part of it was you get to high five it. You high five <laughs> the machine. I, I, that instantly took me back to go. I, I know. I remember that. And he starts talking to her as if he was a kid of similar age. He invites her to come over to his uh, hotel with his family and watch TV, see if cartoons or something was on. But she, um, um, Caleb's sister's name, Sarah. Yeah. And when he like asked her, like, what are you doing out here? She's like, I don't have to answer you. I do whatever I want. When yes, I want. It was like- very <laughs> weird how her attitude was. And yes, it is. It, it You see her face and you realize from earlier in the movie, it's Caleb's sister, Sarah. So you're already at this uh, aha moment. So she goes back to the room with him to watch TV and everyone's in there playing cards, acting fairly normal. And she's like, you guys stay up late. Bill Paxton looks at her and goes, we keep odd hours. And I was <laughs> like, that is great. And so uh, they're sitting there, they're watching TV. They get the, I remember this. I don't know if Nate remembers it, but network television stopped at like midnight or one o'clock and it would play like the the uh the america the the um well it was i don't know if it was pledge allegiance but it, it would play the national anthem that's the word i'm looking for so it would play the national anthem with the flag flying across and when that went off tv channel went to static and no other channel when you had to flip the knob was on after that point and he's like flipping back and forth panicking like well we need to watch something so i can keep her here And she's like that's okay i gotta go and caleb comes walking in and so they get this little nice reunion you know like what are you doing here we're looking for you all this other stuff and jeanette had the forethought when the little girl came in going she's got to have a family they're gonna come looking for her so the little she asked the little girl, you know, as a motherly figure for Homer, who are you here with? Oh, I'm here with my daddy. Oh, well, what room are you staying in? As in, we know where you're from, and if someone comes looking for you, we can tell them where you are. In a very yep. normal 80s childhood, you told the stranger what room you're staying in. And <laughs> Bill Paxton leaves the room to go get who we already know as the dad. And so Caleb's talking with Sarah and then Bill Paxton comes walking in with his dad. So I'm set, I'm setting things up for a reason here for my next big, like, yeah, that's a big stretch for me to believe moment. Um, so his dad walks in, Caleb is realizing, Oh shit. My family is here surrounded by vampires basically that aren't vampires. So he's trying to like, calm everybody talk to you know tell his dad like dad i tried to get a hold of you you weren't home his dad's like we were looking for you now he's in this weird like i i miss my old family 
I, I appreciate my new family. And he's yeah. kind of like, in a weird way, like torn. But he's also like, I want my sister. Because Homer's doing a very, like, weird, like, grooming almost. Well, he is yeah. grooming. Um, he's of grooming. Just like, he, she's mine. Like, he's this is wanting... going to be my my friend for eternity now. Like, I've, yeah. I've gone this long, maybe 60, maybe 100 years with out someone he, my age i want someone my age and like ah it's just so creepy well like, he, he he even says i want what may got because may bought or bit caleb yeah so, so she, she got a companion a partner. why can't yeah. he have one and he's stuck as a kid why would he bite an older woman yeah because then it would always look odd out on the surface when they were out and about so in a in one sense it made sense in the other oh, no, sense, it, perfect it was sense. creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. So Caleb's trying to defuse the situation, trying to talk Jesse down. Like, look, look, just let him go. Just let my sister go. Let my dad go. I'll stay here with you guys. Jesse's not buying it. He goes, they wouldn't do the same for us. The, the situation was flipped. Um, uh, Caleb's dad pulls a gun. And I love how instinctively everyone, like, backs up and acts like, oh, oh yeah, and a then, gun. Like- then Caleb like, goes, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> like, that's not going to trust me, dad. He's like, what do you mean, son? Like, I know what bullets do. He's like, no, <laughs> like, really? Like, trust me. And like, no. he fires off and it's so glorious because he shoots Jesse in the chest. And then Jesse, like, bends down and spits out the bullet and just like, here, you could keep that and gives the bullet back to his dad, and puts it in his like shirt pocket. <laughs> yeah, he, he just pats him on the shirt pocket. Like, there you like, go. There you go, bud. Like, you dropped good, good this. Try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think this is the first round that's been in me, bud. Yeah. So here's 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 my big issue with everything. And I understand movies have to do certain things. Sarah breaks free from Homer, slips underneath everyone because you know she's small, opens the door, and it is dawn. It's not, it's like sunlight is shining through and catches most of them on fire. 1 p.m. Now it's like it went from probably 2 a.m. when they're at the soda machine to 1 1 p.m. It went from the channels are going off at I want to say it was like right around one o'clock because you usually had the late show, which always came on at like 11 or 12. Then the channels went off at like one o'clock at night. So you're telling me they stood there in a standoff for four hours till we'll give it the benefit of the doubt that sunrise was at like five, five thirty. Yeah, it just happened to no. be on that that day. <laughs> no, no. I yeah. don't buy that one bit. They they set up way too much. Like if it was that close to dawn, no one would have left the hotel room. Homer wouldn't have went to go get a drink. You guys would have no. been locked down. And I it's call bullshit. Weird my big complaint with this movie comes is like we've now entered the third act and the third act's a little wonky in this. It is like, nope. it's I know where you're going. I'll let you do this. Jarring. One. Do what? I said, I, I know where you're going and I'll let you do this one. Yeah. So like it then turns into, they steal Caleb back. His dad does. And Sarah and like, he's hurting still. Cause he hasn't ate. And they're in the back of the uh, truck, and Jesse's looking around. He says, "Hey, Dad, like, have you ever done a blood transfusion on his a dad, human?" His before? dad's a vet, by the way. Yeah, so we, we, a we vet get on the told, farm. We see he's a vet early on. 
so they go to like I don't know if it's their ranch. I mean, they definitely go to a it's, ranch. It's there. It's there. Is it theirs? Yeah. And they perform a blood transfusion to cure vampirism. And I thought that was a little weird. Apparently, that is something in vampire lore. Um, I never knew that. I'd have to look further into it. I cannot give you a full definite answer right here and right There's now. There's been movies that have, uh, even the Blade movies touched on it a little bit about, blood, you know, a possibility of a blood transfusion. Then they had, like, the cure the one girl made. And there's been other movies. Um, was it Daybreak or something like that? Da- yeah, one. Uh, that's my one complaint with Daybreakers is the weird, how do they cure, cure, the cure. William Defoe in it? it it's yeah. just, like, they put him in the sun to, to cure him. It's just... It's like like uh give it's like giving you something and getting you used to it. So they kind of like did it slowly. Yeah. At the time, yeah. That's and a good just... movie, but weird ending. But yeah, this yeah. one does that too. And I get it with vampire movies. It's hard to kind of how do you reverse this virus that a person has uh, gained? Yeah, you have and... either he stays a vampire forever. That's yeah. one way to end it, or he dies. And that's that's pretty, normally you know, like, you how get you do this into those two scenarios and from there now you have this issue of he he's cured and he's just like all right back to normal but now he's a human that has to fight these vampires that we have displayed their strength and no mercy for human life he goes back home they know where he lives yeah they kidnapped him from his farm and they're acting like oh we're the happy family oh we're eating dinner <laughs> And, and I don't know who happen. who eats dinner right before you go to bed. Right. Tell me that. Like, they're Come eating on. dinner, and then she's like, okay, I'm done. He goes, well, get ready for bed. And then he's the dad's passed out like two minutes later, and I'm like, I, I can't go to sleep after I eat dinner. No, I have to digest. I have to That's sit there. That's crazy talk. So, and yeah. May shows up at the ranch, and, like, Caleb's, like, kind of dumbfounded almost, and then he decides to take it upon himself of, like, that's it. I'm going to end this. And he goes back into their local town where Severin's waiting for him. And well, they kidnap Sarah. That's why he goes back in. That's right. All right. Yeah. I butchered that one. No, but it's <laughs> fine. Well, she, she tries to bring him back, not knowing he's cured till she yeah. hugs him and goes, you're warm. You know, yep. it's like, Oh, there's something wrong. And so he's like, you know, he, he rejects her. She leaves. Well, he goes in and they use that as a, uh, uh, I can't think of the word. They use that as a diversion. There we yeah. go. So they, uh, Homer could capture Sarah. So he goes upstairs. Sarah's gone because the dad's asleep right after he ate dinner. Um, I, I will say some dads can sleep through anything. My dad could not. So that's why I could never sneak out of any any time. No, it was I'm I'm military can, dad that woke up to every little bump in the night. I'm the same way. I can hear my kids. <laughs> this this guy's passed out. Then we get Caleb chasing him into town. So yeah. carry on. And that's where like now you realize it's a vampire versus a human. And like Severin instantly punches him. He goes flying back. And Severin now realizes, like, oh, you don't have the vampire strength anymore. Yeah. Severin this doesn't realize he's healed. Easy. Yeah. You idiot. Like, why did you do that if you're gonna come and confront me? All while a big rig truck starts to pull up on these two. What? Caleb goes over to him, over to the big rig. Like, he runs to the big rig, like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Like, you need to get out of here. 
And the guy's like yelling at him, like, you need to get off before I, you know, I mess you up or something like that. And counts just starts counting to five. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna count to the to the count of five. And he gets to like three and then his head gets blown off. And yeah, you got Severin, Severin going shoots bullseye. Because he's right, shot between, it right the between the eyes. eyes. <laughs> and then and Caleb jumps into the truck. Because thankfully he met the most friendliest truck driver who taught him how to, you know. Hey, remember back rig. earlier in the movie where we learned how to drive a big rig? Now is why we learned. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets behind this big rig and he's just going to, he floors it straight into Severin and he hits him. Yeah, Severin just the stands body. there. Yeah, you just see the body disappear and he's like, all right. He's celebrating. Like, I did he's it. He's like, like woohoo, yeah, we did it. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. And then. In in great 80s, 90s glories action, the bad guy comes crawling up onto the he hood of the appears, truck. And he straight like, from Road Warrior, straight from every movie that had a big rig <laughs> truck in it. Bill Paxton pops up. And let me say, I want I want to say, now's where the budget was spent on some gore. Yes. Yes, it was. And the this, funny thing is, in my head, this scene of when Bill Paxton pops up and his whole face is like covered in blood. And like his jacket's covered in blood. In my like memory for this is like, oh, that's like twenty minutes worth of the movie. He looks like that, but no, it's that's, not. He's he only looks like that for like two minutes because that's what they used for the marketing. That was the original cover on the VHS was the Bill Paxton with his head split open and like ninety percent of his face is covered up in gore. <laughs> and he's like charred and the 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 cover on the vhs there was actually holes through him and there yeah, was light yeah. shining through so like that's just in your memory it's ingrained of like that's yeah. what he looks like most of this movie it's like no no he doesn't that's he what i remembered most and that's why i remembered like i did love this movie i yeah let's do this movie because i i remember that this movie's badass for like 10 minutes <laughs> and then like Severn starts punching into the uh, hood and just starts yeah. pulling at every little thing inside that rig's engine to get it to slow down. He's pulling, he's pulling wires that don't exist. Yeah. He, there's a point where it feel it looks like he gets burnt or shocked because he pulls his arm back real quick, like a jerk. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure it was a prop thing or something, but I think in like, he touched something. He was, he touched, yeah, he touched something that was hot and went, Ooh, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> So Caleb starts to realize what's happening, and because that friendly truck driver before who taught him how to jackknife Thank goodness the truck, for that guy. Yeah, thank goodness yeah. <laughs> they decided not to eat that man when he was explaining stuff. Um, he jackknifes the truck, and you get this giant explosion that just, like, he tucks and rolls out of it. The truck jackknifes. Yeah. It blows up. Yeah, Caleb jumps. Bill Pax is still attached to the front like... Uh, the dude from Mad Max Fury Road when he rips the top of the engine off. Yeah, And exactly. it, it still crashes with him on top. That's what <laughs> happens here, and it blows up. And, and a Severin's spur goes flying and lands in front of Caleb, which I like that part. Oh, yeah, when the spur, like, landed, it was like, what a classic, classic 80s moment to have happen. That one character-defining piece is what yep. lands in front of him. <laughs> he he has the other spur still so you know he's yeah. like now, now i got a whole now set I got the, the whole set <laughs> <laughs> now i get to look cool uh and then like yeah after that uh, you have yes. jesse and diamond back and homer 
um, they still have Sarah. Yeah, and May's in the car too. And May is as well. And they pull up to the fiery scene. They they realize that Severin's gone, and there kind of becomes like another weird like standoff at this point. And Sarah escapes from hitting Homer on the head with a flashlight that he reacts to. Yeah. Which was so weird because I'm like, he's a vampire. Like he got hit in the head. He goes, oh, ow. And then like she she dips out of the car and gets to uh, Caleb's arms. And then May is trying to defuse the situation now. Much like when you had Caleb with his family and new family of like, hey, like, please don't. Now you had this situation occur with May. Like, please don't hurt him. Like, I I want to be with this person. And Jesse's just pissed because now at this point, like, You've been a thorn in my side. I've let you live for far too long. You just killed my brother. Go to hell. Like, I, yeah, I want nothing. He's to done. Do with you. He's ready to kill. Yeah. And Diamondback's like found her way behind him and she's about to throw a knife. And when she does, Caleb ducks and it goes into Jesse's mouth, which is a great bloody shot. But it, then it Diamondback, really for is. some it's reason, bloody <laughs> it's bloody marvelous. It was. Diamondback then tells Caleb to run. I was so weirded like out by that. Now she's suddenly on Sarah's side, and they they run and they take back off to the ranch again. Well, and they, when they do that, they run, now... but Jesse still tries to shoot them. Yeah. So it's like, was Diamondback just giving Jesse the kill, even though she's like eight inches away from him with another knife? Yeah, like she had the other <laughs> knife in her hand. Yeah. And when they get back to the. Uh, ranch it's like all right we're we're back here again why he's running carrying her across the field like he was running back home at the beginning of the movie um and he falls because he's tired he's been fighting everyone tells her to run because you know obviously she would be faster than him carrying her for her yet to get kidnapped again they grab yeah, her like again. She kidnapped again. And then, like, once again, she slips out during well, like, the big car chase. Uh, May grabs her and jumps out the back window of the yeah. station wagon. So she tucks and rolls with Sarah and keeps her from getting too bad hurt, sends her off to run. She's running. Homer loses his ever loving mind and goes he's like, running. She's at- mine. Yeah. She is mine, and like he just dips out of the vehicle, and it's full like, daylight now. It's full, yeah. Like uh, uh, Diamondback and Jesse are trying to like block some of the sun. They've got blankets on themselves. They Homer the takes off running like up. he don't care, and so he's running towards Sarah, bursting into flames. And again, awesome effect for 1987. Awesome oh, effect on great. VHS. When I watched it on high def, I went, oh, that's an overlay. Where you yeah. can see where they like they literally copied like a fire and then pasted yep. it onto him. Which it, it, clever it editing like, for back in the day, but and I'm it's something I, that again, gets uh you know you get to see it better when yeah, it's you, on it high def. Never meant to be seen in high definition. No. And then we figure out while Severin blew up in a truck because it was a gas truck and it blew up. We now get the realization that when one of these little SOBs die, 
they explode. Oh, it's like C4 goes off. Like, uh, he's yeah, screaming. Oh. He's in, like, covered in, in flames. Yeah. And, like, yeah, he's in pure agony. And it's out of, like, pettiness almost of him chasing them down. Like, yeah. he realizes that I'm going to die anyway, but I still want to take one of them out with me at least. And, like, he just explodes into this big ass fireball. Yeah. Just giant ass fireball. And Jesse and Diamondback see it. They're driving yeah. towards uh Caleb instead of saving themselves and just saying like, "Ah, cut our losses. Let May go. Let's Yeah. No. Let's ride off of into the sunset." Grudge, they could not let the grudge go. No. And the sunlight's just burning through the car cuz they didn't get the aluminum foil and like the spray paint on every window in time. Nope. And like you see them just slowly like they Thelma and Louise this bad boy. They hold hands yeah. and just drive straight till they burst into flames. Yeah. And the, the whole car, car just bursts into flames. Yeah. Like the the door car runs off. off the road and pretty awesome explosion. I can see where the budget did go. And it is, there's nothing left of this car. And they have boom. Um and Caleb grabs on like this whole time May is running and Caleb wraps her up and he's taking his jacket off while he's running yeah. and like covers her up best he can. Now we get back to your favorite part again. We get another successful blood fusion. <laughs> they blood transfuse her and yeah. how and do how they know it works? Door. They open the door in the morning and sunlight shines in as she doesn't burst into flames. And then they, they kiss and then, then the movie is that's it. It's wrapped folks. Wow. But like we mess up even trying to tell you how it happens because like it does it just feels like you try to get maybe 45 minutes worth of an ending into 15 minutes it, so it you're constantly just like boom, boom, boom. it restarted and restarted and restarted so the beginning of this movie is I, i'm sorry painfully slow very painfully slow for me but i also love my action movies and let's get to the point and i've not every horror movie is like this either. This is definitely different from everything we've probably watched. Oh, it's like growing honestly up. one of the first of its kind of being like this is a an Western non gothic vampire movie. Yeah. But, yeah. I think anyone going into this movie, we're gonna tell you right now, go into it as it's an art film, as an independent, someone had a vision, it it's visually stunning, the stuff that works works. But do not go into this thinking it's this blood and guts action thrill ride or this there's nothing scary in this movie at all yeah there's nothing of like vampires and constant shootouts because it's a western like that's not exactly what we mean and no like, this isn't dust till dawn to take place in oklahoma like yeah. no like it's it's very much like an old school clint eastwood movie where you just get character development and you kind of get like your action pieces aren't until the last 10 minutes where he you know, yes. gun fights the whole town or yeah. saves the village or whatever you want to say. It's definitely one of those. It, like you said, definitely independent, like a character piece almost drawn out of like, what if you were this creature that was just trying to survive night by night? And mm -hmm. also you're just traveling across the country and you get a fork in the road by having this new person, new and blood thrown at I, you. I think give this movie... Ten more million dollars in the budget. Give this movie the ability to leave its confines of probably what would you say? We're in about a hundred mile radius that this movie happens in from the farm. 
Yeah, they, I mean, they, they don't at least that travel far. two states over, I think. Yeah, point. but when you're in Texas, and if you lived at the top part of Texas, you could be in Oklahoma pretty easy. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like they travel very far, because we also get the far-fetched thing that they happen to stay at the same hotel that his dad and sister are staying yeah, at. Yeah, so I'm it's like, like they clearly haven't gotten too far if his dad I would I, I would have been more believed had there been circumstances that the dad was following and fit and got, kind of got on their trail better and it was explained and like drove past and maybe caught a glimpse of him like walking outside at night and that's how they interacted yeah i, I didn't Especially like that back then like you have to be really good at tracking of knowing your yeah. roads because so, like i know if you're to like all right nate i want you just to get me to let's say north carolina right now without using my phone mm. I can make it to Kentucky. <laughs> Give you a paper map and see how well you do too. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's, I, I I had to do a lot of map going when I was in Ohio. We didn't have the GPS or cell phones. So I had a map book of all of downtown Columbus. My anxiety would have killed me. I, 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 I learned how to get lost in Columbus and find my way out. And I can still get out <laughs> of Columbus. But um, no, I think this, while the charm of this movie is due to its budget constraints and how they were able to work with what they had. I love it. But if I wanted a better movie, it needed more budget. It needed, it needed those moments to grab you. And I'm still saying killing those, uh, hitchhikers. I needed that moment to see the brutality of Jesse. Just see what we're dealing with. I needed that because he's all talk in the movie. Um, and he's very frail. So it looks like he's a person that doesn't even like eat often. Like Lance, I mean, like, I, deliberately I, lost weight on purpose to give him that frail Confederate soldier. Look, if we disregard the shootout and the possibility, he shot a cop. He doesn't kill anyone in this movie. Yeah. Well, that I we mean, he see doesn't even like killing one that we know of. Even at he the bar. He doesn't feed. No. He doesn't take a drink out of the glass when the barmaid dies because Diamondback killed her. Homer yep. kills the other guy. Severin killed the other ones. The other guy got away. Um, we only see the hit, the, you know, the, the would-be car thieves. And um, we just don't know what their fate is. We know they die, but maybe we, Diamondback did it. We see the shootout. He goes and stays at the hotel, and he has a conversation with the guy that runs it, the innkeeper. And yeah. Book me a reservation 50 years from now because the yeah, innkeeper's the, like, you look familiar. You, have you been through here before? And he goes, yeah, I try to get through here every 50 years. Book me a reservation. Yeah. And I was like, I dig that, but doesn't kill anyone, doesn't drink any blood. And I'm supposed to believe this is the leader of these vampire badasses. Homer is more brutal than he is because Homer yeah. shoots the one dude in the back. He eats the dude out of the truck. I'm more believing of that guy than I am. Now, I loved Lance Hendrickson's character in this and that's movie. The thing. It's because Lance like sells it. I, that's why I don't think you could remake this movie particularly. No, because no one else would go to the dedication and to the lengths of staying in these characters like he and Bill Paxton did. Yeah, we we don't have extent. those those method actors. Yeah, I'm sure there are some out there. But these guys, 
immerse themselves in these roles. They were these characters till the camera stopped rolling. Um, and I, again, I love it for every bit of that. So let's, uh, we don't have sound drops yet. So we're going to jump into, I normally do body count on action movies. Nate and I are starting out with what we want to call for now, the raining blood segment. And that's how many people have died in this movie. And we're going to find out that horror movies usually don't have body counts like action movies do. There's not hundreds of dudes getting shot. There's usually like the teenagers that die, maybe a couple cops. And then there's the chick that lives at the end. If we Um, cover anything that has like upwards of 20, I'm going to be shocked. We'll have to do movies like Ghost Ship. You know, like yeah, where like the entire the, fleet gets killed. <laughs> yeah, everyone on the on the deck that when the cable comes through. Yeah, you know, the, those are all on screen kills. But I, or I can't you know, think off the top of my head of any horror movie where it's like, oh yeah, seventy two people get murdered in this. Because even like in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, I think the most that get killed is like maybe eighteen. I'd have to go I, back and I, I think look someone at that. posted the other day. There's like the cumulatives that they've done, and he's only like in the hundreds for like Jason. Yeah, Michael that, like, is like in the '80s. Freddy's in the '80s, something like that. Yeah, like and that's and that's across the all entire their franchise. Movies. Yeah, yeah. Like even like the Saw movies, it's like all right. Like a, if you want to look at Jigsaw's technically never killed anyone, but b, no, there's only like five traps in a movie, right. if that. So Arnold wipes out more people than that, just trying to get to the main bad guy. Yeah, you exactly. Know? He's got a body count of a hundred before he even get to the second act. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Nope, our our reigning blood on this is 11 kills, and uh, it it makes sense. We've just went over, like, everyone that they kill, and then you have to add in the few cops that die in themselves. 50-50 on, like, what you see on screen, what you see off screen. And then, yeah, yeah. like, you're talking about the entire family. That's that's four of them, four out of the five. Yeah, so... So... that's that's counting the two girls we don't see die on screen, and yeah. we're counting the two you know carjackers, but it's it's eleven. So I mean, decent for a horror movie esque, um, just nothing like the actions. But um, so our next segment, we we have our patron saint Al Leong on the action movies, and that that just seems to stick. So me and Nate were brainstorming like who would be our patron saint of horror movies because. Al Leong was always that guy you saw in movies, but sometimes wasn't named. So, you know, we're not going to have like the Freddy scale or the Jason scale. But no, I mentioned we didn't but, want to do that because that just no. feels too forced and not. Yeah. Not fun. Honestly. So I mentioned I mentioned Machete. Oh, Danny Trejo. And Nate's like, OK, I dig that because Danny Trejo has been in probably same amount of movies always somewhere and i also put it as there's a lot of horror movies that involve machetes of killing people not just jason there's plenty of other movies with machetes so getting hit with one (laughs) yeah so we are gonna do the the machete scale of 10 uh because we feel like 10 gives us a little bit more wiggle room than the five does we learned that on the action so um Nate, won't you go ahead and hit me with your machete rating of Near Dark? So it's funny, like I wrote down like my top five vampire movies in order, and when watching, it, I was like, "Oh, Near Dark's number one." Like I, I already know that before I, you know, watched the movie again. I was like, "Near Dark, Scott Bill Paxton, Lance Hendrickson, obviously, duh." 
And then, like you said, like as upon rewatching it, and then like as I was taking notes and stuff, I was like, I always remember like the third act feeling a little rushed, but like this time around, like it, it, it just really fully clicked. And I was like, man, like if only you could have padded it out more because this movie is only like an hour and thirty two minutes long. Yeah. So if you could have made it like an hour and forty five, it wouldn't have overstayed its welcome, and it still would have gotten maybe that third act padded out and not as rushed. Mm-hmm. Um. And then same thing, like the the weird editing at times, which I don't fault Catherine Bigelow at all. Like I think it's just no. budgetary restrictions. Um, they were shooting at night, and technically, even though this movie is, it looks very summery. It's a winter movie. Like they filmed it during a very cold season. Um, and if you go to the desert at night, it's cold. Like it is. So you need a hoodie. And these actors are in like sleeveless shirts and stuff like that and except for yep. bill paxton he was smart being in that leather jacket uh <laughs> but oh, yeah. it was just stuff like that was really like nagging at me and i went from like man our first movie i'm gonna instantly have like a nine out of ten maybe even a ten uh machetes and upon looking at it, i'm like yeah this might actually be like a seven out of ten and now like because I think a month ago, maybe two months ago, Hannah and I had just recently rewatched Lost Boys before we had even picked this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, God, there is a reason why Lost Boys stands out so much because it is a damn good movie. So is Near Dark. But like Lost Boys doesn't have a lot of those faults and it probably is budget reasons. Like I didn't look into what its budget was and stuff like that. But well, you it, also have it had a major studio behind it. So it I'm had sure a major studio fine. behind it instead of like this being independent and then a major studio just, you know, putting it out there. And I would argue that the talent level behind Lost Boys is pretty equal to Near Dark. Like, it's a well-rounded out. I mean, you do get both quarries when they're at the top of their games equally. Yeah. Um, You get a young Kiefer Sutherland who, you know, is still... Like he was making a name for himself at that point, and like that was that was on out. his uptick, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get Alex Winter in like a role that should have been so much more, but still. But he still stands out. He stands out more than the other guy, which I don't oh, even yeah, remember that guy's name. Go, ah, cool, Bill and Ted, sweet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it's Bill. Yeah, and um, so like when I was looking at this and just seeing how it all goes, I was like, hey, this is actually more like a seven machetes out of 10 i'd give it like it's still really high up there for me yeah um it's still within my top five but now like when we were originally pitching this podcast we were pitching it as just strictly action horror yeah we had we had an original vision of let's just make it like a part of the other show and but we go on the darker because as dan has dan has stated he doesn't like horror movies he doesn't really watch. And I knew if I put him through, I put him through enough watching some of these Canon films and stuff <laughs> like that. So, and you heard him on Hellbound that he blew me away. They even rated it what he did. I know. Um, so it was like, let's do movies that are action horror based. And there are a lot, but when we started the Facebook group, it, it kind of blew up into all horror and like yeah. when I was making my action horror like list, I was just like I probably could name like ten vampire movies. It felt like because there's just more. There's something about the vampire genre that you can turn into guns a blazing like dust from from dust till dawn. Uh, from dust till dawn, uh, vampires. You know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, uh, it, 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 
Yeah, and Near Dark. Near Dark was on our list when yeah. we were... We had probably 60 movies listed as stuff we could pull from. So it wasn't like there was a lack of movies. It just turned into... Maybe one day we want to talk about Jason. Maybe one day we want to talk about something that's heavier on the horror than action. And we didn't want to like pigeonhole ourselves to that. So it's like, if we did it just as a horror show, we can still do action horror related. Um, and we still want to do like the popular ones. And we want to do like stuff like this where near dark, where yeah. either myself or Charlie, we can mention it to our friends and be like, oh, that one doesn't ring a bell too well. Or B, I know of that movie, but I haven't seen it. Like Charlie said, you haven't seen this in 15 years. That was that's was when I was asking friends if they had this. Everyone's like, "Oh, I love that movie. Oh, I remember that movie. I don't have it, but man, I remember liking it a lot." And so it, it ignited something in everyone, which I was like, "Well, that's good because that means we picked a good one to do a podcast on." Because there's nothing more I hate than doing an episode of something and then you go back and like search that movie on your podcast app, and there's like 20 other shows that did it and then some of them are like only a few months ago so you're like i want to stand out a little bit more above the crowd than than others and sometimes you gotta dig deep to do that we want you to have this podcast as an opportunity to kind of go back remember stuff that you have fond memories of and not be it to where like as much as i would love to do psycho gorman it's just like there's probably 15 other podcast episodes about Psycho Gorman right now. So Right. That's one and I And I don't want to, you know, just get lost in the shuffle. Right. I, I would rather shine light on movies that are maybe more forgotten, which is a perfect little segue for us to go. We have picked our Halloween episode, which is next month. Yes. Um, and no one, no one is expecting. Our regular guys that are kind of, we have like a little brain trust of our, well, Dan and I, we'll you'll just have hear, heard that we announced it on the last episode of the action. We've started a podcast network. Um, so we have the action, the horror, we have good beer, bad movie night. We have monster movie stomp down. Um, we have other shows coming up, uh, live and in color with Wolfie D a wrestling show. Um, Everyone I talked to and shared the movie that I found was all like, I didn't even know that existed. Or one guy was like, I vaguely remember seeing it on like a cable channel 20 years ago, but I don't remember it. So we have the Halloween one and it is, it is not what anyone's going to expect. No. And like when Charlie had like sent it over to me, I was just like, <laughs> How how is this like never popped up on my radar? Yeah. Like of all like I do random like Google searches all the time when I'm like looking for something for like Hannah and I to watch, whether it be like bloodiest movies, goriest movies, mm-hmm. um different like monster movies or like what has um a lot of Nazis getting killed in it that's a horror movie. Yeah. That's kinda like the stuff that I'm like always like doing a Google search for and like I realize that my poor FBI guy is probably wondering sometimes what is Nate up to today, but that's just this. Yeah, one. but like, you, how did you it didn't, not pop up? How <laughs> you didn't Google how to disarm C four? So I'm think I'm still on a list with yeah, the, yeah. You're the, still on a list DOJ. somewhere. <laughs> um, but go check out the blown away episode if you don't know what we're talking about. But <laughs> yeah, I I have gotten pretty good at 
digging deep and and once you start doing this google figures out that you're looking for stuff so it'll recommend weird stuff and i found this one because someone in the movie had a birthday and an instagram account i follow was like they do like a birthday post and it showed like clips from two or three movies they had been in and one picture i went i don't know what that is but i need to look that up (laughs) and i sent that picture to everyone and they're all like what is this and i was like yeah yeah we're doing this because it's going to be a this is literally going to be one of those like hellbound none of us have seen it we're going in blind so it, it could be it could be terrible i don't care because of who's in it and what it's about i'm like oh we have to and it's another good bridging episode for the horror and the action stuff. But um, yeah, it'll be a good one because we definitely want to get two out in October because of Halloween. Yeah. But one of them will be the action. One will be the horror. Well, but let me. Was, uh, the action will still be horror themed. Let me go ahead and give my machetes. I won't drag on. I think I've mentioned most of the stuff I, I, I didn't care for and I did care for. I will go into this as. When I picked it, I'm like, Nate, this movie was probably an eight or a nine in my memory. I watched it. The movie probably got down as low as a five. Ooh. Then I watched the documentary, which I got to see what everyone's mindset of making this movie was. And that did impact me because I went, oh, that makes sense. Oh, I understand what you were going for now. I can't, uh, you know, forgive the lack of the kills I wanted to see. I can't forgive how slow it started. But I'm not dinging it because it reminded me of Twilight because this movie came before Twilight. Um, It's just a product of the movie. But I am giving this movie a six. It's going to be six machetes. Um, And I'll take one thing you did say about I think the time of the movie, how long the movie was, was correct. But I think you needed parts that were in the second and third act somehow intermixed into the slower beginning act. Like I needed to see something that this, like show me the family feeding that whole montage leading up to them kidnapping Caleb. Like you could have done like what other. when May took do, him. Where they have like the iconic, like, here's the monster right at the beginning scene, and then yeah. it leads to Caleb. Like, you just see, like, all right, here are these monsters, and then lead to Caleb. Because it would have um, worked out great because you, you start the movie with May being out by herself. So, this would have given you the reason for her to be out feeding and what the other family members were doing at the same time. So, you could have saw homer setting up someone with the bicycle you could have seen bill paxton luring girls in and you know jesse and uh, diamondback going after you know just some ne'er-do-wells i needed something to hook me in the beginning of the movie and there wasn't anything they were too busy building up the love and romance between caleb and may also, while trying to give us a reason why his family's looking for him. And it's like I said, the second the bar scene starts is when the movie takes off. 
It's kind of like that's when the movie really finds its voice. And there'll be people that'll be like, well, that's exactly what Dust Till Dawn did. The difference is Dust Till Dawn gave me an excellent road movie before the strip club. Of uh, There was tension with these two psychopaths kidnapping a family in an RV trying to get across the border. You had the wild card of Tarantino's character. What is he going to do? How's he going to mess things up? You know, especially like the girl that the woman that was in the trunk and yeah, how, from the bank. yeah, from the bank. And then how George Clooney leaves him alone for two hours, maybe to go get yeah. food and to make a phone call to Jack, that grisly scene that how Tarantino did those quick cuts could have been done in near dark to a save with budget, but give me God, give me Jesse as a badass Cause that's what I wanted. <laughs> Jesse needed, I needed more badass from Jesse. That's, that's and we don't even complaint. get a sequel to get that no. badassery and we can't nope. get a prequel. Twilight screwed it all up. Yep. Damn blame Twilight. Twilight at the end of the day. That's what ruined near dark for us was Twilight. Yep. We blame Twilight. This yep. would have got rated higher except for Twilight. Yeah, so if, if it wasn't for Twilight last night too, this is completely off topic. We went fine. and saw Midnight play at Ace of Cups here in downtown. Mm-hmm. And who would be in front of me? You know, like you're a tall guy, and yeah. here's the tall guy that's going to be in front of people. It's just like ah, oh, there's that big dude that's in front of me. I get Jacob from Twilight in front of me. I kid you not. He had the long hair, looked just like him. Just oh my <laughs> like, gosh! Of all the people, I get Jacob in front of me. Jesse, and he's drunk as hell, and he just eventually stumbles out I'm like. Right on, dude. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've done what we can with Near Dark. We're a little over two hours, so yeah. This I mean, is this what happens when you. Itself. This is it happens, man. Yeah. Um, I can talk about movies. I, I'm more apt to talk about action, but I, I, we both love horror movies, and so obviously we got a lot to talk about. So uh, we'll just wrap this up, and we'll do our. Uh, just stay stay clicked in on this. If you're not into horror, you can skip these episodes. No, no Maybe harm, we'll do no foul. That piques your interest, though. Yeah, you never know. There could be a horror movie you like, and you'll you'll click on it and listen to it. But don't worry, the action movies will still keep coming. Um, what we're trying to do is have content for you to listen to on a weekly basis, if not more. Um, so, if anything, we're trying to give you more of what we're doing. So um, it's enough content to kind of cover this broad spectrum to where there's going to be something that's going to, you know, be like, oh, I like that. Maybe I don't like this one, but I like that one and I can cover it. Um, Definitely join the Facebook groups if you have not already, whether it be give me back my action movies or give me back my horror movies. Um, We have lots of discussions going on in both of them every single day. Oh, dude, it's super active. There's people are doing stuff all the time. And it's not just like, myself charlie or dan posting in these it's the actual like just members members of the group posting and today we had a really awesome post of someone saying i want to get my six-year-old into scarier stuff but oh i want to be introduction and uh... it was awesome because then it just brought up like I i was like oh gremlins uh the first goosebumps movie like and everyone just started pitching in like different um it made you, you think. 
Yeah. You, you had to think like, okay, what would be, what would I introduce my kid to at that age? Yeah. Cause you're not going to be like, all right, little one, six year old, here's hostile. Like you're not going to do that. Hellraiser. Yeah. yeah. Let's do I that. mean, no. we might have done that, but that was on accident and it was on HBO late at night or something. Yeah. <laughs> our, my parents nana taped did, it on our parents weren't VHS doing for that. me. Unless you were my friend's parent that put Chopping Mall in for the 12 and younger kids Here. to watch yeah, during just... lunch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, check us out on the Facebook group, Give Me Back My Action Movies. Also, Give Me Back My Horror. Uh, we have a main page. It's Give Me Back My Podcast Network. It'll have links to our uh, groups. Uh, we are currently working on other groups for the other channels we got coming in. I run the Instagram account. It's Give Me Back My Action Movies on Instagram. Give Me Back My Horror Movies on Instagram. Um, we have a email address for right now. It's just under the action, but if you want to email us about the horror stuff, it's gmbmampod at gmail.com. As Dan says, say it with us, Pete, because they have one almost as long as ours. Um, and I would say too like if you're in the group and you're like oh i i got one for nate and charlie like let us know like yeah either I, it post could be something it, post that i haven't group, seen send us a private message however yeah, you want to send, send it us a message us. of like you guys need to see this you guys need to check this out and maybe it's something we haven't heard of um i don't know I, i'm definitely yeah. down for it if it piques our interest if it, regardless i'll probably watch it first and tell charlie like yeah dude check this one out yeah, that we may do that on like some of the more the suggestions and being like, yeah, let's let's watch it first, unless it's like what I found earlier where we're all like, oh, this has to be either great or bad, so we're gonna wait. Yeah. Um, also, want to throw a shout out to uh, Poster Smash. Uh, they're also on the action group, but really in the horror group because they made a movie, they the Witch House which is actually winning awards uh, on the international uh, circuit run, what, however they do that. Um, so multiple award-winning independent movie called The Witch House. Uh, James and Bobby do it. Uh, working on trying to get them on the show once uh, things get going. The reason I bring them up is because it was James who was kind of, hey, man, you should do a horror group like you do the action group. So he's kind of the brainchild <laughs> to, to kick me in the pants to get this started. Uh, we want to throw a big thank you to Mountain Empire Comics. They're huge supporters of us. Uh, their stores are in Bristol, Johnson City. Rob and Diane run those. They also run the local convention, which once things get a little bit more normalized, you'll see me at. We'll be promoting the show. Uh, so I don't have Dan's list. Dan's usually has everything. In yeah, front he's of got him. a really tidy list. He does. We'll we'll get there. Again, this is our first episode for the uh, horror movie show. It, we're going a little long here, but thanks for sticking around with us. We'll get things tighter. We'll have some cool drops and sound effects, uh, but don't worry. <laughs> Benny is here to stay. I love that drop. Um, no, but it's a good thank one. It's got to stay. Thank you guys for hanging out. Nate, did you have fun on the first episode? Oh, this was a lot of fun, especially for what we covered as the first episode. This just made sense. It had to be uh, near dark. There, I would have not uh, had it any other way. Yeah, I dig it. I think I had a good time. We're having fun doing this. Um, I usually I have an outro for the action one. You have anything in on mind that you would want to use as an outro for this show yet? Like like a little catchphrase? Yeah, the... I do. I get you know I'll be back on the action movie, and that's what we end on. But you got I anything? Mean, me being unoriginal is just going to be 
groovy. We'll take it.